0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus hey what's going on gang welcome to another edition of winnipeg sports talk daily andrew patterson michael remus with you for the next couple hours lots to get to coming out of last night's ot loss to the montreal canadians And a look ahead to tomorrow night at home against the Detroit Red Wings. As original six-week continues heading into the holidays. Boston Bruins here to take on the Winnipeg Jets on Friday night. Uh, We'll uh, recap last night's game. Hear a little bit from head coach Rick Bonus as well as uh, Connor Hellebuck and Cole Perfetti. uh, Rennie's going to jump on the program today. A number of... There's something going through the Winnipeg media. A bunch of our normal uh, guys are... uh, Very much under the weather, so we appreciate Rennie jumping on today. Always fun to chop it up with Sean. And a little later on, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN as well. Uh, We're going to basically hit hockey hard tonight. Big, big slate of games in the NHL. Um, And Tommy Gazzola is also going to jump on with us from Edmonton. Oilers kicking off a big three in four nights heading into the holiday season. Losers of two in a row after that big eight-game winning streak. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about that, other things going on in the Pacific, and uh, just check out Tom's glorious hair as well for those of you that are watching us live on YouTube. Um, So it should be a real fun uh, show. Also get into a little bit of NFL talk. Crazy, crazy end to the game last night. Drew Locke, of all people, authoring a 92-yard last-minute touchdown drive to beat the Philadelphia Eagles and keep Seattle season alive. And some big news as well that happened just as we got off the air. I know BA and a lot of people in chat will be fired up. Nathan Rourke's been claimed by the New England Patriots. So we'll touch on that as well as we uh, continue the program. Um, Let me give a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto... Nick and Nikki DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Sport Manitoba, AEW, April 10th here in Winnipeg, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop. And we'll have a, uh, <laughs> got a good one for you folks coming off of last night for the Why Not Question of the Day for Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Remus in here. Uh, what up to everybody in chat? Shout out to the podcast listeners. If you are with us, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. And uh, if you wouldn't mind making sure you hit the subscribe button as well on
1: YouTube. Remo, what's going on? Us trying to forget about that game last night. Still mad. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm annoyed at some of the officiating, but maybe I should be annoyed at the power plays. Lack of success. Reminds me, you know when Patrick Mahomes took that fine and blew up at the official? He was really mad at his receivers who can't catch, so. Uh, I'm conflicted. I'm, I'm irritated. Away uh, the way that game finished, but I think you're happy that the Jets were able to battle through down 2-0. I mean that tying or the first goal at the end of the second was huge, and they played a solid third period. You're not going to win every game, but I liked the uh, fight they brought in the third. But I'm feeling good. Says uh, December nineteen, counting down to Festivus here.
0: Yeah, um, you know there's. Uh... <laughs> There's lots to kind of parse through from last night's game. Um, Like the first period was, uh, you know, it, it was just tight. I mean, there wasn't a lot on either side. The teams really sort of felt like they were feeling themselves out. And then, you know, in the second period, it opened up a little bit more. I thought Montreal probably carried the play for, you know, part of the second period. And obviously they got up to nothing. Um, But to your point, credit to the Jets for battling back. I mean, I think that's a game in the past that we have seen, you know, I don't want to say a woe is me attitude from the hockey club in previous seasons. Not that we really need to talk much about previous seasons because we don't. Um, But I know at this point there's a lot of people going, hey, we've seen a great start before. What happens next? I think last night was another example of the will that this team has and the belief that it has in, uh, in them that, you know, they can come back from these deficits. But here's the thing. Um, what is this now? Three times in the last four games or so that they've been down to nothing? I mean, they were able to come back against the Ducks. They were able to come back against the Kings. But if you continually put yourself in those deficits, it's tough to win hockey games consistently right now. So a uh, bit better of a start getting that first goal. And as you mentioned, getting the power play going. Absolutely um, important for the Winnipeg Jets if they want to continue stacking up those points as we get into uh, Christmas with two big games coming up against Detroit and Boston.
1: Yeah. um, I think the thing about that, too, Hustler, is the power play. Uh, It really just hasn't helped them. Like when you have a man advantage, you think you'd be able to, you know, take advantage of that and score and score some goals. like one for 16 in the last five over uh, two last night, including it would have been great if they would have scored, you know, kickoff uh, the third period or they had one in the second as well. And that was their fifth consecutive game, giving up a power play goal. So when you're not scoring with the man advantage and giving up when the other team has, um, it's not a recipe for success. They're able to overcome that in some of the games like LA and uh, Colorado, but um you Know last night it kind of hurt them, the special teams, and Rick Bonus saying that after the game. And there's feel like there's been a bit too many games this year where Rick Bonus is like special teams has been the difference. Um, you know, keeping track, uh, Dallas was certainly one of them where they had the five on threes. And I don't know, there were some you know controversial well, Vegas,
0: game, Vegas yeah. games earlier, earlier in the season. I mean, and and this is why I think if you want to look at glass half full. I mean, the team's had a great start. um, And the foundation of their success is on on five-on-five play. And I think that will go... uh, You have to get your power play going. I mean, you cannot consistently be at a deficit on special teams. And I think that is just common sense. Um, But the fact that they've been able to put up the wins that they have in without a consistently successful power play... Um, I think there's certainly I mean, and Rick Bonus has talked about this, there is definitely room to improve for the club, but they're still playing four lines, um, everybody is contributing um, and they're in they're in a very, very good space right now. And you know, <clears throat> I guess this is a, probably a good time to get right into it, Remus. The Jets have now played 30 games. They are 18, nine, and three. For 39 points, um, one point back of Dallas, one point back of Colorado, and they do have a game in hand on the Colorado Avalanche. So, I mean, they are right there with Dallas and Colorado, and, and it, it is really on the back of five-on-five play. Hellebuck has been much, much better, and their team defense has been much, much better after about the first two and a half weeks of the season and i do believe this is the second best first 30 games the winnipeg jets have had since coming back in 2011 you know what the best one was
1: was it 2018 2017 18
0: it was it was last year was it last year dude they were 29 and 1 at okay. this point last year and again and i and i get it people that are not convinced uh of the team or have scar tissue from last season And some other seasons before, we'll look at this and saying, hey, wake me up in April, um, you know, and, and, and then tell me where the team is at. Now, listen, they did make the playoffs, and they did it really on the back of that great first 30 games. But I think when we look at where the Jets are right now, and I'm interested in Rennie's perspective, we'll get this from him a little later on when he comes on the program, that the sustainability, how they got here, I think is... it's something that they will be able to continue and improve on when you look at a few of the other aspects of the game, like the power play that can help them. So, um, I mean, we just slammed another 10-game segment in. The Jets were 6-3-1 in it. And to be 18-9-3 without major contributions from that power play and a really rough start for the PK, I think speaks to just how well this team is playing at five-on-five, five, the team defense, the buy-in, things that they really can't control. And I got to tell you, I'm a lot more optimistic that, you know, moving forward, they can continue to play at a high level and can get better because of how much room there is for improvement. And five-on-four, which when you look at the personnel that this team has out there and the way they play out five-on-five, five, you would think that they would have more success.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at the rankings here for the special teams. The Jets on the power play, rolling down less 23rd, 16.7%. And on the penalty kill, oh, way down 27th, 73.9%, which considering how strong it was last year, and it is very similar personnel, um, that's interesting. I'd like to see a breakdown of maybe the Jets' penalty kill in the last month instead of uh, overall. But this team has talented players. Uh, they're probably they're definitely going to be missing Kyle Connor for a while, you know what kind of shot he brings and on the power play. But you, you know Rick Bonus did field some questions about the power play after the game from Marat and he said they're going to have to look at it. You know, you can see when it's not going to be working when they get standing st- still and they're stick handling, looking for that perfect play over and over and it's not there and then they keep passing back and forth and you know maybe a pass from uh, the side boards to the D gets picked off, but you can feel it. And when they're having success, uh, they're moving the puck quickly, uh, moving around. I think it's something that can certainly be corrected. But you look at the Jets record in their last 20, Huss, four, you know, 14, 5, and 1. Uh, this is a good hockey team. You know, you have close games and a things, couple things didn't go their way. We haven't talked about the, you know, shared our opinions on the controversial second goal for Montreal or, uh, the penalty that put them shorthanded, but uh, the bottom line is there was opportunities for them to win, and special teams did let them down again yesterday. And that's been a theme too many times, uh, this year,
0: yeah. You, you know, um, and I guess this is like, listen, walking out of the building last night, uh, you know, the Habs fans are invading, there's tons of them, and they finally get a chance to ole ole, and you're like all pissed off walking out, but. Um, You know, finding a way to get a point. And, I mean, I, I would say, obviously, it was a power play goal in in the, uh, you know, in four-on-three overtime by Justin Barron that was the difference. I mean, if you, and again, you can't take out that penalty. It happened. But they never really got the chance to go three-on-three three with Montreal. And this was, of course, the second time this season these teams have played. The second time they've gone to the extra frame. The first time it was a shootout that the Jets lost. This time it was OT. Um, but the ability to get that game to overtime, I mean, all of these points are crucial and you know, listen, it sucked for fans in the building to not get the two points and be able to kind of stick it to Habs fans, um, with so many of them there. But overall, I think when you look, the ability to come back from down two nothing, to show that fight, to very nearly win the game in regulation, um... The, it, it, it all matters right now, and I, I, I am buoyed by the fact that they are able to come back. They're not going to win every game, and uh, I'll tell you what: if when they're not winning, they're getting a point. That is uh, is nice, and I think this team will be very focused going into take on the Red Wings tomorrow, Remo, who have been struggling to use a Joe Namathism since um, <laughs> since Patrick Kane. I believe they're one five and one. Since Kane and some news, they're also losing goalies by the game. And they were left with one goalie after Vili Husso got injured last night. Um, they had the opportunity. They could have brought up 21-year-old Sebastian Kosa. That is not Steve Iserman's style to bring up a goalie that young and throw him right into the mix. So guess who's going to be with the wings on, uh, on tomorrow night? Our old pal Hutch. Hutch had signed a, a a contract with Grand Rapids, so he was basically on an AHL deal. And a Hutch, look at Hutch's flow too.
1: He's That's really, new.
0: He's, yeah, he is the uh, he's grown it out. Um, but yes, the well traveled Michael Hutchinson will be in the mix, and I'm not sure that they would start him. But I mean, I guess it would be an option. They've got a lot of hockey, but. Most eyes will be on Patrick Kane and the Wings, but um, interesting to see the uh, issues they're having right now staying healthy in the net. And uh, an old, familiar face signing up and uh, being there uh, tomorrow when the Wings get here.
1: Yeah, it seemed like yesterday he was leading the Moose to, uh, sorry, the Moose, the Ice Caps to a Calder Cup final. He's really bounced around. Last played for the Jets, 2017-18, got three games in. But since then, he's been to Florida, Toronto, Colorado, back to Toronto and last year uh, Columbus. And now this year Detroit only 33 years old and uh, good for him for getting back into the NHL one year two-way deal today. And I don't think I think we've passed the point of tribute video, but uh, it'll be nice to see him uh, see him back here and, and good for him uh, getting back. So I'm curious about Detroit. as you mentioned, the record hasn't been very good. Uh, since they signed Patrick Kane. And uh, I anticipate it will be another uh, great game. I do wonder, Huss, if there's like a letdown aspect. Like, you had these two emotional games, L.A. and Colorado on Saturday, like a Monday against a non-conference opponent after these two games. I'm not sure if you could, it, you can get up for that one. Like, you know, they were – like the L.A. game meant something to them, and I think the Colorado one did as well, and – um, you know, o o and two against Montreal this year. Who's not projected <laughs> to make the playoff? It doesn't doesn't look great, but hey, we're just, hey, you still got the point, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? You look at you know where the team's at. It's not bad. I see big guy. Is attendance at Jet games a WST uh, taboo topic? No sellouts versus Habs is disappointing. It's definitely not a taboo topic. We've talked about it before, we, um, but I mean, I don't know it. what. Like, yeah, like, I mean, what are we going to do? Uh, Ring our hands uh, uh, about the uh, the attendance at every game? I mean, hopefully more of you guys will come out to games. Uh, there's not really anything else we can say. The team's playing really well. We've talked about, you know, what they've done through 30 games. If there were people that were on the fence, um, hopefully they're not anymore. And, um, you know, I would imagine, I think Friday's going to be a great crowd with Boston here. We'll see what tomorrow's going to be like. Um, and, listen, we've also talked that the organization's got a lot of work to do um, to try and fill up and, and reclaim a bunch of the season tickets that they lost. And it's not just going to be overnight uh, that that happens. Obviously, the team playing well, you would think, would help. Um, and I think it has over the last month or so. But it was a rough start. They're kind of playing catch-up right now. That's not a situation you want to be in. Um, but, listen, the organization, I think, is working hard in the community to try to do this this will be a big, big summer for them. Um, and every game that this team goes out and kind of makes more believers of people that this is a, a team that, you know, can contend, we will be getting ready for playoff hockey here in Winnipeg. Um, you know, hopefully they get closer to uh, getting back, filling the building. But, I mean, it's not something like, you know, we're sort of used to it right now. We know that the crowds aren't what they've been in previous years. That's what happens when you lose 3,000 season tickets or so. And it takes a lot of work to get back up. So uh, that's uh, just a a little bit on that. Hey, um, quick why not question of the day, Remus. And this goes back to last night. And this is for Jet fans. What annoys you more? The invasion of Habs fans when Montreal is here or Leaf fans when Toronto is here? I have to admit I think the Habs fans are, and maybe it's just because the team hasn't been particularly good the last few years. But I think I would vote Leaf fans in that situation. And we'll certainly see them on that Saturday, January 27th, 20, their next game for WST. Um, in that, you know, at least the Habs do have the great history and all that. A lot of that's passed down. Leaf fans are just a little more delusional. And the fact that they haven't done, Well, I guess they finally won a playoff series, which is nice for all of them. But interested in everyone's thoughts in the chat of what drives them crazy more, the Habs invasion or the Leafs invasion when uh, when those teams come to town?
1: Maybe it's because we just had uh, Montreal here, but I'm gonna and I have negative experience with Montreal fans in the chat at the early days of WST invading us during that oh. playoff series. I am. <laughs> I like had such anxiety doing that show after uh, that playoff during that playoff series and the shifley hit on Evan. So I will always say uh, Montreal, and it I, it makes it more annoying that yeah they're not a playoff team and there they were yesterday getting another two points against the Jets. And I also forgot, or I tried to block it out of my memory that the Bombers lost to the Alouettes in the Grey Cup. So I tweet <laughs> out. So I mean, the, we haven't even talked about the uh, you know maybe controversial officiating decisions like Ealer's you know takes the tripping penalty at the end but clearly was interfered with off the faceoff and was late to his guy and tried to compensate by by diving. But I thought Ealer's was also held in the shift before that. So I was and no one wasn't mentioned on the broadcast. So I tweeted out uh, the video. I'm like, hey, you know, he was held here too. Like the refs put their whistles away in the third period until until they didn't. And I got some Habs fans in my mentions, like posting a picture of, I don't know, the great like Grey Cup celebration. <laughs> Just like, come on, guys, come on, and um, and there we go. So uh, I'll vote for Montreal, uh, Montreal fans, and uh, it is annoying, you know, losing, uh, you know, losing twice to a team that's not going to be in the playoffs, and then having all all the fans there. But uh, you know, you like to see that atmosphere, and as far as the attendance, I think we've said what's. What more, do mean to say? what more do you mean to say, and you said it uh, perfectly, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, hopefully uh, more of you guys will uh, get out to some games <laughs> and we won't have to talk about it. Um, but again, we're sort of beating a dead horse at this point. Um, you know, we'll get to the room and we'll talk a little bit more about, and we'll hear what Bones had to say and Connor Hellebuck about that controversial goal on the hand pass. I mean, being at the game, we didn't have the benefit of all the replays that you saw on television. Once I got back after the game, I wasn't sure that that puck ever hit Josh Henderson's stick. And at that point it is a hand pass, but obviously they uh. reviewed it. I think if the, if the call went the other way, like, I don't think it was conclusive enough to overturn a call on it. And that's why they called it a goal in the ice. So it stuck. Um, but anyways, we'll have more of that. And Rennie's coming up a little later on and Greg Wasinski. So lots of hockey talk as we continue um, the show. Um, Tommy Cozzola is going to join us in just a second. Uh, the holidays are here, everybody. And our friends at Canadian Club have a CC for every occasion heading into the holidays, whether it's for a holiday gathering, uh, enjoying at home with family and friends, or gift-giving, Canadian Club has you covered with sales on all of the Canadian Club favorites right now at Manitoba Liquor Marts, 100% rye, original, and the CC Classic 12-year-old, And don't forget the Canadian Club Invitation Series 15-year-old sherry casks still available right now. The signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging and Oloroso sherry casks. All the hallmarks of Classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. Available now while supplies last. Just in time for the holidays makes a great gift or a great addition to the liquor cabinet for the uh, the upcoming holiday season. Speaking of holidays, um, Manitoba Battery. You know, you don't normally think of giving someone a battery for the holidays, but a lot of times, very practical things are the best gifts. Um, and you also probably don't have a lot of time right now. Check out some of the things Donnie and the Gang at Manitoba Battery have for you, just in time for the holidays. Twenty-five foot booster cables for sixty bucks. Three sets of 12-inch booster cables, 60 bucks. A 2000 amp booster pack for $120. An ice fishing package that includes a 10 amp lithium battery and charger for 120 bucks. And of course, you can also get a gift card for your loved ones. So next time they need a battery, it's completely free. And of course, every purchase from Manitoba Battery, over 60 bucks delivered to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter. Give them a call 204-783-8787 to take care of these great holiday specials and knock a few gifts off your list in about two minutes. And of course you can also order and check them out at uh, manitobabattery.com. Well, Gazola is coming up here. He's always looking good, but if you need to maybe touch up the salad before getting ready for big holiday gatherings Get on down to Modern Man Barber Shops. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road, Modern Man Barber Shops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. Give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barber Shops. And hey, just before we bring in Gazzola, um, you know, whole home renovations, are something that, you know, when you're thinking about a project for 2024, something that, you know, your entire family can enjoy and use 12 months a year, maybe a great idea to start thinking about that. And the experts to talk to about it are over at Aquatech because whole home renovations start with Aquatech with thousands of renos as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're thinking spa, sauna, or ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. All right. A holiday visit from handsome Tommy Gazzola out with Edmonton Sports Talk. Tommy, what's going on? How are you? Hi, Haas. I'm doing good, man. I'm just ready for the holidays. It's kind of
2: festive around here. We've had people showing up. A lot of viewers and listeners to our studios dropping off all kinds of food and sweets and alcohol. So it's been it's been a busy studio and uh, Dusty's actually doing the lock shop right now in the main studio. So I had to duck into the hangout. And man, it's almost like these games, like tonight's pre and post game, I'm like, oh yeah, we have to do that. So I kinda wanna get in on the holiday spirit, but I've got some work to do here.
0: Yeah, well and I guess the Oilers starting um a quick three and four heading into the holidays and a very crucial three games. We'll get to that in a minute. But I have to ask you, have you been imbibing quite a bit of the six o'clocker logger, lager, which has taken the beer scene in Alberta by storm? I, it, unbelievable. The response you guys had with such a great named beer that everyone seems to love. It's a good beer. I'll start with that. Like it,
2: it is tasty. Lagers are easy to drink and they're versatile and anyone can have one really. Um, and, Like the beer snob out there that's an IPA type of person, like even they can appreciate it. No, it's not an IPA, but the response has been amazing. Honestly, uh, it's been a great partnership with Alley Cat. We sold out, I think, the first weekend, and uh, the second batch had to get brewed or the brew started basically the day after launch. And now we're talking about bars and restaurants starting to incorporate it on tap. So this thing has taken off and, and the fact of the matter is it's a good beer and uh, it was our listeners that named it. It was our listeners and viewers that designed the label. And uh, this, this whole thing is, has been great in terms of like, have I been able to enjoy a lot of it? No, because like we, we had a batch brought here. I had some at home. But outside of that, like it's it's a scavenger hunt to find it right now. And I think it, it, the next shipment arrives in lo, uh, local liquor stores in three days. So it has been uh, frustrating for some, but really, really a neat story. And I, I hope it continues. And, and now it's become if you haven't heard, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when I was on with you. But now it's uh, a permanent fixture in the Alley Cat lineup. And Alley Cat, if you don't know, uh, is a local brewery in Edmonton that's been around for about 25 years, 26 years. Um, so it's been very well received and, and super exciting. And uh, no, I haven't had enough 6 o'clock or lager that I'm actually kind of hankering for one right now. And I think we have some in our EST fridge.
0: Well, it, it's kind of funny um, that you're on right now because – um, you know, the Oilers had that miserable start. It was complete chaos on your program each and every oh, yes. night. Uh, and then fire the coach, Knobloch comes in, rattle off eight in a row. Everything's good. And now two straight losses, and I'm sure everyone's on the ledge drinking one of those six o'clocker loggers because um, the season's falling down. How, um, how different is the attitude around your program over the course of the last couple days As opposed to, oh, I don't know, a week ago when they were rattling off eight in a row and getting right back in it. Yeah, Thursday was an odd turn for Oilers fans.
2: They had an eight-gamer going, like an eight-game winning streak, Huss, and they lose in the third period. They cough up a bunch of goals. Stuart Skinner on Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning coughs up some softies, and they lose that game. The winning streak is snapped, and the fan base goes berserk. Berserk. Like, you, I tried to explain, or I tried to give credit to Andre Vasilevsky for making 54 saves, and he still allowed four goals that night. But some of the saves he made were ridiculously amazing—like high skill, highly acrobatic. Like you're talking about a giant human being. That I don't know. He's like six, 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 seven, sprawling out and robbing some of the best scorers in the game. And Oilers fans are going berserk they're calling me names because I'm pointing out some things like it's just I, I'm like guys like first of all take a deep breath have a sip of six o'clock or lager and let's take a step back and see what happened here you got robbed by Andre Vasilevsky you had the franchise record for shots in a game uh yes you got four by him and they're going well you should you got four on the guy you should win the game yes but this was not a standard three two game Huss. And so, you know, by that point, people didn't, they weren't hearing it. They didn't care. They just wanted to be mad and they vented like they always do. The nasty chat on our YouTube channel was going crazy. Um, And then what made matters worse was the loss, the 5-1 spanking at the hands of the Panthers on Saturday where Bobrovsky made some outstanding saves. The Oilers weren't particularly great in their own zone. And you saw flashes of early season Oilers defensive zone woes. Not a ton, but a couple that cost them. So, the, you know, all that goodwill that was built up in an eight-game winning streak where they got over 500 uh, has been, you know, kind of flushed to some. But in, in the grand scheme of things, they've put themselves back into the mix. And, you know, what a couple of good games in the New York area could, could send Oilers fans into the Christmas season, you know, somewhat content. But as we know with this fan base, you can't please them all. And as good as things
0: are, There's always something more that they want. That's just how it is in Royal country. Well, I mean, this is the thing. And I mean, we're sort of, I mean, uh, relatively spoiled here with the start that the Jets have had. I mean, uh, 18-9-3, 39 points in 30 games right now. One point out of first place, comfortably in that top three. And there is a little bit of separation um, between the Jets and then, well, and all three of those teams and the rest of the wild card spots. And that's what a terrible start like that first month does for the Oilers. I mean, they don't have any wiggle room. And, you know, you can rattle off eight in a row. But if you follow it up with, you know, three losses or losing four or five, so much of that work you did is sort of wasted and you're right back in. I mean, they have only played 28 games. So they will make up a couple games on teams ahead of them. Like Seattle, that's played 33. Calgary, that's played 32. But I mean the Nashville Predators, and I don't know where Nashville came came from. I mean, to be honest, the they beat the Jets on their big run. It was sort of an off night for Loren Brassois. and UC Saros is, I mean, for my money, right there with the Hellebuck's and the Vasilevskis is you know one of the best goalies in the league. But they are getting a lot more from Philip Forsberg right now. Cody Glass actually is playing great on that third line. And the Preds have sort of established themselves as that number seven team, if you will, the top wild card. I mean, they've got nine points on the Oilers. And, you know, yes, you can have some games in hand, but you have to win them. And I would imagine that there is a real sense of urgency within the team going into the island tonight. And these three and four against some pretty good teams in the Islanders, the New York Rangers, who are right at the top of the East, and the Devils, who... Should be better than their record right now, but there's no gimmies right now, and man, if they only pick up say one of t- uh, one of these three and go into the break losing four or five games, um it's again crunch time the minute they get out of that Christmas break.
2: yeah, it is. I think for the rest of the season essentially, Huss, it'll be crunch time, and they only have themselves to blame in all honesty. Uh, I know some people want to point the finger at Kenny Holland. He put together a good team. Now, was the Connor Brown signing a good one? No. No, he has one point in, what, 21, 22 games that he's played. It has not been a good signing. Ryan McLeod has not been good this season. He's supposed to be a a steady, up-and-coming third-line center where he could nestle in there for the next decade if he wanted to comfortably on what should be a good team for the next little while. But that hasn't happened. And then their defensive woes and all that cost the coach a job. But, yeah, essentially the rest of the season – you can't lose two, three games at a time. consist like you, you're going to have to nip those losses and those losing stretches in the bud really quickly. And I think you know, lately, obviously, the Otos have been able to do that. But um, they're going to need to win three of four, and you know, they're going to need to win six or seven of ten the rest of the way. And they should be able to catch. Uh, those wildcard teams and they do have games in hand on in Nashville, on in Arizona, and they have to take advantage of those. Basically, Huss, the rest of the season, every Western Conference opponent is a four-point game where they need to be on top of it. If they're not, it might cost them uh, a potential playoff spot. And, and, you know, maybe where they can slip up, quote-unquote, is against Eastern Conference teams. But, Uh, Quite frankly, they they need to be on the edge and playing with an edge for the rest of the season because of how crappy they were for the start.
0: You know, what I mean, from a Jets perspective, I mean, you look at I I mean, it's great. I mean, we're we're focusing on the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche every night and not paying too close attention to that wildcard race. Um, And, you know, we've seen the Oilers a couple times this year. The Jets just had arguably their biggest win of the season in a comeback fashion on the road in L.A. last week after falling down 2-0. And two big wins against against the Colorado Avalanche. But the one team that we have not seen here in Winnipeg yet that has been equally as surprising, if not more is the Vancouver Canucks. And and I'm interested in your perspective as to how they're doing this. I mean, obviously the start of the season, and maybe that was foreshadowing what was to come for Edmonton, the way those first two games went against Vancouver. yeah. But I know you've seen more of the Canucks. I mean, how impressed are you with the job that Rick Tockett has done? And is this a team, like, are they even catchable right now? Uh, Listen, there's still a lot of hockey left to be played, but man, the way they're going right now, right there with Vegas and L.A. It is one of the great stories of the NHL right now, and uh, that is kind of compounding the problem for the team that you uh, cover every day.
2: Yeah, for the Oilers, I mean, really, they shouldn't even look. You talk about the Jets, talking about being in the mix with Dallas and Colorado and all that, and, and in a good spot with those really good teams. The Oilers can't even look above the wild card spot. That's how poorly they started the year. They, they need to, I, I suppose, if anything, they could look at the Kings because when they play the Kings, those are going to be four-point games, and that might be able to reel the Kings in, depending on how the Oilers play outside of that. But the Vancouver Canucks have beaten the Oilers quite soundly three times already this season, and and it's credit to Rick Tockett. It's a credit to the players buying into what Tockett is preaching to them. Um, they've kind of embodied that feisty... Tough, we're not going to give you an inch. Type of style, and they have skill too. So they've kind of put it together. And it, are they reachable for the Oilers? Well, in theory, yes. Uh, realistically, probably not. And and for Edmonton, if you bring it back to the Oilers' standpoint, they have to keep it so myopic. Everything one day at a time. It's what Jay Woodcroft used to say: "Win the day." Like that is where it's at for the Oilers because of where they put themselves that you can't even look at the day-to-day standings. You can't even look at what Arizona or Nashville is doing right now. You just need to win whatever game is coming up next and put your head down for a stretch of 10. And if you come out with like 7 of 10, 6 of 10, see where you're at after that for a quick peek to give you an idea and keep that you know, carrot dangling in front of you. But it's there's no point of looking at the Vancouver Canucks. There's no point of looking at the Vegas Golden Knights. That's gone. That's out the window Maybe L.A. when you start playing the Kings, and they'll play them after the Christmas break. But, um, yeah, it's it's sad, but that's where they're at. But the other thing, too, Huss, in the NHL nowadays, you know, get into the playoffs, get hot at the right time, people start playing the way they're supposed to, you get healthy,
0: you could be the second wild card spot, and you could make a lot of well, noise. And, and, and that's the thing about Edmonton that I think scares the hell out of everybody. I mean, with the hole that they've put themselves in, if they can rally and play well enough to get into one of those playoff spots, by definition, they'll have played at a really, really high clip for the second half of the season. And then when you talk about the guys that they have in that lineup, they certainly are uh, they certainly are dangerous. Um, but you still have to be able to stop the puck. Um, yeah. Stuart Skinner and... What, what's up with jack campbell and uh, i mean are they still kicking tough t- yeah <laughs> are they still kicking tires uh, like do you expect him to be back at any point and you know if they if there is one piece that ken holland looks to add is that the position they need to do it or is there enough other holes elsewhere that they got to pray that stewart skinner can carry the mail for the most of it and uh look elsewhere
2: Yeah. So Jack Campbell's still in the minors. Um, We keep hearing, oh, he'll be up soon. He'll be up soon. Well, they've been saying, others have been saying, Jack Campbell's supposed to be called up by, you know, this time next week. Oh, after the next trip. Oh, maybe after Christmas. It just seems to get pushed and, and prolonged a week to week to week to the point where he's been down for, I think, about a month to a month and a half now. And his game started out, Iffy down in Bakersfield, he had a couple of good games, put together a decent stretch, and then he's had some rough patches uh, recently. I don't think there's a rush to get Jack Campbell back up here. Calvin Pickard has been functional. He's been okay. He had a nice game last Sunday against the, uh, the New Jersey devils. And he'll probably start against the devils later this week. And, and then we'll because the Oilers play their first back to back of the season on Thursday and Friday, which is incredible too. Uh, but, yeah, Ken Holland will be Jeff Jackson, whoever is at the helm here, because we still don't really know where the the power balance completely lies. Um, they're they're probably going to look to add someone to help Stuart Skinner because Skinner, although he is this team starter, um, you know he hasn't you know shown he can be an Connor Hellebuck type where he plays night in night out and he gives you that consistency. He's still relatively young in his NHL career being this is his second full season so there's some people that have really dumped on him and have had no patience for him which is unfortunate but he won seven in a row and 10 of his last 13 prior to the the loss that he suffered uh, against the Lightning he's he's gotten better and, and people throw the goals expected above average get that crap out of here that that stat can go to hell for all I care right now, especially with how poorly the orders were defensively. Um, so, I, you know, that's really digging into the minutiae and I don't care for that right now. As long as he's getting you the wins, I don't care if he lets in four and as long as the others are winning or by we're getting that fifth or sixth goal, that's all that matters. Um, I and mean, we could talk about the averages at the end of the year, but they need someone to help out Stuart Skinner to, to, you know, take away some of the burden and Jack Campbell's not the guy, certainly, and Calvin Pickard can maybe do it here and there. But it's tandems to get the job done, Huss in the National Hockey League. The Oilers do not have a, a tandem right now. And then they need to add a defenseman, and they need to add another forward, a depth forward. So it, there's, there's some holes that need to be plugged. They plugged them last year. They're going to have to do it again this year. Whoever's making the calls, Holland. or or Jeff Jackson. You know what, this was
0: therapeutic today, Tommy. I mean, uh, a lot of people down at the Jets lost in overtime to the Habs. We just need to hear what's happening a little further west with two of the best players in the world in the situation the Oilers are in. Yeah. to to, I think to get everyone back in a positive state of mind. Um, When you guys play, uh, when the Oilers play L.A., let me know, if there's any sign of Pierre Luc Dubois when you're playing it, that that ah. is one that is one thing that we are enjoying watching right now. Vellardi another goal last night. Play yep. the Macarena, and uh, it was. Uh, but yeah, the, the PLD story is that one that we're uh, we're still still keeping tabs of here. I mean, that trade for Winnipeg has just turned out to be. I mean, part of the depth of the Winnipeg Jets and how they play at 5-on-5 five five has really been the foundation of their success so far this year. If you only get the power play going. Um, but now Velarde's hot right now. Ayafalo's contributing. Kapari is injured, but, you know, had a nice start to the season. All coming back, and for all of those players, less than the Kings are playing PLD to uh, show up occasionally when, uh, when the Kings are playing.
2: I, I said it in the, in the summer, I did not like that trade for the Kings. I think it makes them a worse team. They're having a great season right now, but uh, there's something about Pierre-Luc Dubois, tremendous talent, but I don't know, Huss. Like, I thought that the uh, the Jets did a great job in the return for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I thought that was a win for Winnipeg. And I'm not doing that to butter myself up to your viewers and your listeners. It's, it's the truth. I thought they got better while the Kings uh, maybe – less consistency let's call it
0: well and the thing is i mean credit to the kings i mean i mean they've only lost 6 times in regulation all season yeah. long and they haven't been they like they haven't been getting much from dubois sort of playing in that 3c role and it speaks to how well the rest of that team has been playing and how consistent they've been and and they've only played 27 games um so that's another team that pretty much is out of sight for uh, the team you're covering Tommy, great to have you uh, jump on and catch up. Have a wonderful Christmas with uh, you and the fam and to the uh, EST boys. And obviously, I'll do one more lock shop with Dusty before he heads out to the Spengler. But uh, we'll look forward to doing this again in the new year. But uh, say hi to the fellas, and thanks for jumping on today. Thanks for
2: having me, as always, Huss. Uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you, Remo, and uh, everybody down in the
0: peg and watching on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, by the way, by the way, we need to work on if there's any people that you know work at WestJet, preferably. Um, we need to do a deal with WST yes. and EST and, um, you know, do a little home and home. Uh, March 26th, I believe the Oilers are here, so uh, maybe we can work and get you. You can do the post game, uh, pre and post live on location, and you can bring us some six o'clock or loggers when, uh, when you come.
2: That'd be awesome. I'd be all for that. Maybe we know a person <laughs> or two we can work on it.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk to the big guy. Get him going. I yeah. guess he's not nothing else going on right now for no, sure. Nothing at all. Hey, have a good one. Say hi to the fellas, buddy. Will do. Thanks, buddy. Good stuff. There's Tom Gazola. I um, uh, always love catching up with Tommy, talking a little puck. Uh Oilers part of a big slate of games tonight starting their road trip on Long Island against the Islanders. Uh we're uh, going to hear a little bit from uh, Rick Bonus as well as a little bit more from last night's game. Coming up in just a minute. Um, But again, I know we talked a little bit about attendance. Folks, you want to help attendance? Get some tickets. (laughs) Two great games heading into the holidays. Tomorrow night, Patrick Kane, the Detroit Red Wings come to town. And then Friday should be phenomenal. The Boston Bruins' lone visit of the season. Friday night, the start of Christmas holidays. That is going to be a banger. Of course, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Check out the website as well for uh, game packs and other great gifts for the Jets fan in your family. Uh, and don't forget Saturday, December thirtieth, the Jets back at home, kicking off that home and home series against the Minnesota. Excuse me, the Minnesota Wild have not seen Minnesota yet this year. We all remember how things ended between the Jets and the Wild last season with that cheap shot from Hartman on Nikolai Ehlers. Um, maybe there'll be some seasons beatings in that game. We'll find out. But um, let's uh, hopefully we'll see you guys out at some games coming up soon tomorrow and Friday against Boston. The two final games heading into the holiday season. Ah, big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market gang. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, pop down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca um incredible selection specifically for men when it comes to supplements to help you be at your max all from Canada's number one line of men's health supplements Prairie Naturals and don't forget they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of local products too great for holiday entertaining and maybe some gifts as well Vita Health empowering people to lead healthy lives six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca Big shout out to the gang over at Wallace and Wallace for their wonderful support of WST throughout the year. They are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. And right now it's time to, you know, give a little extra attention to that overhead garage door because it had lots of ups and downs in the summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace and Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and Wallace. And hey, guys, with everything happening in and around the holidays, getting together with friends and family and going to parties, have you um, walked into the closet and realized eh, it might be time to up your menswear game? Well, I got you covered. Head on down to F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, Winnipeg's best selection of men's clothing suits starting at 400 bucks along with chinos golf pants custom shirts both tucked and untucked styles and an incredible selection of menswear accessories um we've also got gift cards uh great gift so maybe give a little nudge a very simple purchase you can do it online at f that's eph and be sure to check out all their great deals coming up on boxing week next week after the Christmas holidays. 190 Smith Street, and again, F, that's EPHapparel.com. All right, Rennie's going to jump on with us in a couple minutes. And we do have bones from today, but I want to go back to last night. And um, first off, here's bones on the second Montreal goal. We touched on it, very controversial. Thought it was definitely worth the challenge, um, but just not unequivocal evidence to overturn it. Here's how Bones saw
3: it. I, I was kind of more or less going by what the... I was watching the linesmen go into the scrum and they were, were given it the hand puck motion. So um, they didn't see it that way.
0: All right. So, yeah, they didn't see it that way. Jets ended up, you know, having to kill another penalty. But they did battle back from that two-goal deficit. Um, here's just Bones' thoughts on the game overall.
3: That first period was... There wasn't much room out there for either team. It was fast-paced. It was a good period. Second period, you know, the... Listen, the, it obviously comes down to specialty teams. We lost. I mean, it's another game that specialty teams we lost, and that's what cost us that extra point.
0: All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus, Um, you know, talking about the power play again. And, um, you know, let's go with number four. This is from Marat. Um, he talked to Bones about you know when the Jets' power play is struggling, it there doesn't seem to be enough movement of the puck or of players, and um, a uh, that was an issue again last night. Here's what Bones had to say about uh, continued issues for the Jets with the man advantage.
1: When we see the power play sort of begin to look more standstill, what are they not seeing, or what is that you're you looking just, for that's not mean,
3: yet? You just said it. Standing still Hanging on the puck Way too long It's not moving Mm -hmm. Same thing We've been fighting With all year I mean we're going to Have to revamp both I mean It's another game Where the special teams They score two power play goals The four on three Okay But Um the five-on-five five play is, is is very, very good. The team play is very, very good. Uh, there's too many games. I can count five or six games where we lost the game based on specialty teams. Um, Every
1: team has sort of a different amount of motion they aim for off the puck. Uh, How much more are you hoping for from these guys, or is it a whole new thing?
3: The what, sorry?
1: Like, on the power play, every team
3: seems to have a different amount of movement off the puck, like where you go, where you rotate, all that sort of stuff. How far from what you want are you seeing? Uh, Well, we're not generating much, so (laughs) you're going to have to look at how we structure the power play, too. Um, we're not getting any shots. Uh, we're not getting two retrievals when there's a loose puck, so it's like one and done, even when we shoot it. Um, so we got to look at that too.
0: All right, there's Bones. Still very pleased with the the team game, the way the team is uh, buying into the system, playing defensively. Um, but he's right. I mean, there's four or five games you can look at and go directly to the inability to score on the power play or kill the opposition power play. Um, That's um, the reason why there are nine regulation losses so far this season. That being said, Jets still in a really, really good spot. This is from today after practice. This just came in. Um, Bones uh, was asked about the power play, and I uh, mentioned there could be some changes coming to uh, the extra man unit. Rick uh, you talked about potentially making some structural changes to the power play yesterday Is that something that
4: maybe you slept on or can you, yeah, can you no, let us know a
3: little bit about it structural and, and probably move some personnel around
5: Okay, can you give us a hint
3: or, uh... Yeah, not really we'll see what it looks like tomorrow No way, you know, we wanted to practice it today, but a couple of guys are banged up and Moho obviously wasn't out there So but we'll probably move some people around and try a different look
0: all right, there's uh Rick Bonus. So um didn't manage to uh, get too much into the power play today with a few guys and he did mention Josh Morrissey, who took one right to the grill yesterday. Uh, battled through it. The, the the Morrissey Christmas photos I don't think will be looking as nice as originally intended. Uh, but that's a hockey player. It's just here from Bones Remo. This is number three. Um he uh, talked about Josh, um uh, taking that one in the grill on the last night.
3: No, I don't know how many stitches I just looked at. It's going to be pretty swollen tomorrow. Pretty good chance he's going to have a, a good shiner tomorrow. So um, I'd give him full marks for coming back. He's a tremendous competitor. Um, yeah, I'd him up, and I, I don't know how many stitches are there.
0: Yeah, he didn't know how many stitches. There was a, a, a bunch, Reem. And um, I think ever since the, the Morgan Barron um, incident in the playoffs last year against Vegas— the uh, the number of stitches was a
1: hot topic in the post game scrum, but uh, they couldn't get it out of their bones. Yeah, Morgan Barron, if you remember, had seventy five stitches and was on the cover of or the front page of TMZ after I mean, he was in the playoffs in Vegas, and you know, we talked about all the surgery that he had. Uh, we don't know the number. It would have been nice to tweet it out, get some solid clicks on that, but we don't know. But I was happy, you know, I couldn't believe Morrissey came back without a full cage or a bobble maybe he just like screw it there's only a period left I'll just go and like they didn't have time to maybe they didn't have one available but that's scary um you know puck I mean it's just a harmless play like uh, Suzuki goes take a, sh- a shot it's Morrissey in the stick rides up hits him in the face I mean huge hole there rushes off and a couple minutes later he's back on the ice with no protection and he didn't play today we don't know what he looks like I'm Having flashbacks to what, I think Andrew Ladd had two black eyes once from a puck in the face and he played and it was an amazing photos of that. So we'll see what Morrissey's face looks like tomorrow. I'm sure he'll speak to the media and talk about how much it sucked.
0: Well, and and, I mean, Josh is a very good looking guy, but probably a little less pretty today uh, with the aftermath of that puck to the... Puck to the grill yesterday. Um, but I mean, what can you say about Josh? I mean, getting back out there. I mean, a big, big part of the Jets' comeback, obviously assisting on the Gabriel Velarde goal to get them back in it. Um, and then another great thing that happened last night, Remo, I mean, as much as, you know, the end result and not getting the two points was frustrating, man, it was nice to see Cole Perfetti get on the scoreboard. And, uh, I mean, you could really see the energy that he had after tying the game up. A huge goal uh, in the game but also big for Cole, who, um, you know, after that great stretch playing with Nikolai Ehlers, um, has not seen as many points come his way over the
1: course of the last kind of couple of weeks. Yeah, they had kind of slowed down since moving Ehlers off the line, but Cole Perfetti's still having a great season. Hustler, he's still, you know, twenty-one years old, ten goals, ten assists, and it's amazing how many his goals for you know smallerish guy. Are him just finding that open spot in front of the net and the puck just finds a stick and he puts it in the back of the net. So a uh, career high for him, uh, 10 goals. And you know, that was a big goal too. Uh, you know, takes a, a big rip and Morrissey again, or not more uh, Perfetti comes from the side and just, you know, finds his way to an open spot and the puck finds him. So uh, he showed his uh, hockey IQ off all season. And I see some secondary scoring. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't enough, but you had to like the push in the third period where the Jets outshot Montreal. If, I think it's fifteen to five. I don't have the number right here. But.
0: Yeah, no, the Jets brought it in the third period. They weren't able to win it in regulation, and obviously that penalty to Nikolai Ehlers changed things a little bit. And in the battle of the Baron brothers, it was Justin that'll have the uh, that'll have the last laugh, heading into uh, presumably a holiday dinner with the family. Maybe Morgan just wants to skip that one after uh, the way things went last night. Listen, Sean Reynolds is going to join us right now. Um, but Remo, why don't we just play this other clip from Bones? This is from today, talking about LB getting the, uh, the net tomorrow and some other injury updates coming out of last night, including Josh Morrissey's face. For
3: him. We want him to play one, at least once a week when we can. And um, so it's the right, it's the right game. Um, he's, got to, he's going to keep playing. He's playing really well. we got to keep him in the net. So uh, we wanted to go with Halley last night. We wanted Halley for Boston because then there's that four-day break. So this is obviously the game that he should play.
0: Uh, do you have an update on Josh? Or how's, the, how's the shiner
4: looking He's today?
3: swollen. Okay. <laughs> but he'll be okay to go tomorrow.
4: And then just a quick one. Kapari
0: finally joined the group. I mean, where, where is he
4: at?
3: Well, we were, we would hope for after the Christmas break. He's, he's not ready to play this week. But certainly uh, after the Christmas break, he's, he, we're getting a lot closer when we get to that point. And
0: anything new with Hanla? Has he been skating separately still, or has he sort of backed so, off again? Yeah, the head, he's going
3: to skate again tomorrow after the group. So he's, he's back. Yeah, he's skating again, but he's still a ways away.
0: All right, so there's Bones. Update from today on the injuries and LB getting the start tomorrow. Um, let's get festive, everybody. Jolly old Saint Rennie joining us right now on the program. You know him, hanging out with our pal Ken Weeb on KNR, covering the Jets for Sportsnet. Rennie, best of the season.
5: It is great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm jolly, just like you said, jolly and festive, and all those things. Uh, it's been a fun year covering the the Jets so far. They're impressive and make us think that uh there's going to be more gifts to come in the new year the way that they're playing
0: no doubt about it you know 30 games into the season just finished another three uh 10 game segment at 6-3 and 1 obviously would have loved to have two points last night but you know a pretty nice third period particularly to bounce back after falling down two and getting it to ot before giving up a power play goal in the uh, in the um, um, in, in the extra frame, extra frame. But you know what, Ren, um, you know 18, 9 and three on the season, um, it's incredible when I look back last year through 30 games, this team was 29 and one, which was their best first 30 games ever since the team coming in. I would argue though that the way the Winnipeg Jets, have played this year through 30 games, the way they've won their games, the room for improvement in areas that had traditionally been a real benefit for the Jets, like special teams. And particularly it comes down to the five on five play and their defensive play far more sustainable going forward than um, maybe what happened last year when things sort of fell apart coming into the new year.
5: Yeah. Well, if you take a look at how they, things did fall apart last season, um, there's a point at which, you know, you just have, I don't know about you, Hus. I'm, I'm sure this happened to you because I know how the uh, the fans react to you and when they see you out and like, how many people come walking up to you when these things are happening, they're like, what's wrong with the Jets, right? It's this, you know, like, no, ever, it's this puzzler and everyone can't figure it, figure it out. And what's falling apart with this team and all these kind of things. When they're playing like this and they lose games, you can very definitively point to areas, right? It's not the five-on-five. Five. They lose last night's game because they lose the special teams battle. But the good news about that is those things are addressable. Those things are fixable. Now, is it easy? No, clearly it's not easy because if it was, the Jets would have taken care of it a long time ago. But you go in with a the ability to focus on a couple areas of your game that if you feel you can improve them, you can go from being... A, an already phenomenal team to like a very, very solid team that is, you know, the, the kind, which I I think they already are the kind that other teams around the league look at and say, OK, these guys could do something dangerous. So it, I I did think it was funny, like the, the reaction that we saw from that game last night against the Montreal Canadiens, and maybe it's just that it's the Montreal Canadiens because people either love them or they hate them, uh, and the fact that so many red shirts were in that building last night celebrating that win, I think it peeves Jets fans off. But the idea that people are as miffed as they are about a Winnipeg Jets loss in overtime where they get a point, you know, stacked upon all the success that they've had recently, um, it just gives you an idea of the expectations placed on this team, and they are earned expectations people have that expectation of the Winnipeg Jets because they've watched them play and to your point this is a team that looks like it's ready to take the next step it doesn't look like a team that is you know poised on or on the precipice of falling off a cliff it doesn't look like a team that success is unsustainable they keep playing the way they're playing, and they're going to do just fine, and you can see it in the coaches more and more who had said that they needed to be hyper-vigilant this year about the Jets when they felt that they were falling off their game. You can kind of see the ease at which they're now allowing the Jets more and more the ability to take control of the room, and it's not the Jets, the coach's job to keep them on top of things. Now, I, I caution all that by saying, listen, the last five games, the Jets have fallen down 2 nothing in three of those games. They got away with two of them, um, got a point out of one of them. When you take five points out of a possible six in games that you've gone down two nothing, in all those games, that's that's uh, that's that's can be a good thing. But I would suggest the Jets probably are not. Recently, at that level, we saw them with that laser focus where they're just steamrolling teams from start to finish, but I think they realize that. I think they know how to manage it. There's probably a little bit of let's just get this into the Christmas break and resume things afterwards. It's a long season. The Jets are managing. If this is the Jets idea of a low, boy, oh boy, uh, (laughs) there's a lot of teams around the league that would want to have this low.
0: Yeah, and, and you know you mentioned those 2 nothing deficits. I mean, it is actually crazy that you look at three games where they fell down 2 nothing and they got five out of six points in those games. Um, and, I mean, the L.A. game kind of stands above them all because of the opponent, because of the way that they did it. Um, but, again, they've been doing it without any real success on the power play. I mean, do you have any theories why this unit, with all that talent just hasn't been clicking for extended periods of time this season, Sean?
5: Well, I think one of the issues with it is it's it's kind of so foreign to what's bringing them success right now. Like, I think the Jets have transitioned to a team that, you know, like, you know, gets a lot of goals off the rush, but they get a lot of goals by grinding, you know, teams uh, along the boards. And, and the success that they have is when the team's, collapse on them and you know when a defender tries to get the puck off velarde well good luck with that and when they try and get the puck off shifley same thing and the defense are really active so when you know those teams try and throw the puck around the boards and bottle thing or, or to get it out the jets defense just bottles it up and they catch their opponent on the perimeter and then move the puck to the middle and that's when they get their opportunities well on the power play the the opponents are just staying in the middle They're not chasing the Jets to the board. So the Jets superpower so far and the thing that makes them so good at five on five is really not something that translates to the power play. So they've got to find better ways of uh, I I mean, I always think, you know, when they're in a situation like this and, you know, take it for what it's worth. I'm no NHL coach and there's people who get paid a lot of money to do this who know far more about this than me. but. We have seen at times when this Jets power play has struggled, just getting it to the net is, is you know, often the solution. The two goals the Jets score last night, they're not power play goals. But it's as simple as just getting the puck to the net and finding some chaos and trying to capitalize on that chaos. And really, you know, low scoring grind them out games, I would think that that would be the obvious thing to turn to. Um But the Jets have all these tools and they want to be able to use them. And when Kyle Connor was in the lineup, they wanted to be able to, you know, have him execute that one timer. And they want Mark Scheifele to be able to sauce that pass through a bunch of people because they know they've got that skill. I just think it's kind of, you know, you got to start with the building blocks. You got to start with the foundation. I think the foundation is forcing the puck to the front of the net and trying to jam it in. Forcing your defenders, the teams defend against you, to respect that, and then that opens up all the stuff they really want to do on the outside.
0: Yeah, I, I, I I'm with you, and I mean, I think in in some ways it needs to get back to basics. And earlier this season, um, the Jets were playing Vegas, and I think they'd gone dry for about six games uh, or so on the power play, and it had become a big topic on our program, on your program as well. And if you're calling that third period when they finally got a goal, it was Alex Iafallo channeling Chris Kreider, who, I mean, made life miserable for Connor Hellebuck in that game. I believe earlier in that week against the New York Rangers, I mean, kind of being a human eclipse. Um, and Iafallo got in there, and it was just—it was very simple. Just put the puck on net, get it, get it through, which the Jets haven't been doing as well lately, especially in that San Jose game. Um, and a deflection or a little rebound. And then once they got one, they seemed to really pick it up for the next sort of five, six, seven games. I sort of feel like we're in back in that situation. And you know, tomorrow when the Red Wings come to town, and Rick Bonus alluded to it today, some potentially new personnel, a few other things, I would imagine that first things first, try to make things as difficult as possible for the opposition goaltender, who will in all likelihood be James Reimer tomorrow night. And, um, and get a dirty one that way just to get a good feeling going in on the man advantage again.
5: Yeah, and I I think that the personnel changes are going to reflect that. I think it's just sometimes, you know, I'd suggested it on my program last night, and, and I took a lot of heat for it, uh, but the idea of moving a player like Adam Lowry to the front of the net, I think is more than anything just... The idea of it is if you put him out there, you know exactly why he's out there. If you're the players on the power play, you know why he's there. He's there to cause chaos in front of the net and to jam the puck in if it gets there. So I'm not saying it's the perfect solution, but what I guess what I'm saying is the changes that I expect to see are the kind of changes that will be very direct and hold a message, You know, whether it's Nino you know, Niederreiter in front of the net or however they do this. Um, I, the, the changes I expect to see are the kind of changes that make it obvious where the puck has to go, why that person is out there on the ice to do that. It's interesting because when they moved Cole Perfetti onto that line, uh, when they switched out Nick Ehlers and moved Cole Perfetti onto the top power play line, they started having success, but they were having success because Cole Perfetti was going to the net front And the the interesting part about it is I think everyone was expecting you were going to add Cole Perfetti and it was just going to be another layer of skill, another guy who could make an amazing pass and they were going to snap the puck around even faster. And there boom, boom, boom. It's in the back of the net. In the end, what he did was he achieved the exact same thing as as if you would put, you know, uh, one of those grinding net front players out there um, just with, the, you know, the, the kind of smarts that go with that. The time to dive in and dive out of the net. So that's what you're looking for, and that's what you would need if you were going to put a guy like Niederreiter or Lowry in front of the net. You need them to have the smarts and the recognition when to pop out from the net front to give themselves as a passing option to get the defense to move. But then getting back to the front of that net, I just... I, I get right now why they're not doing it because they're not feeling like they're doing a very good job of puck retrievals, right? When they do get the shot from the point or from the sides, they're feeling that the defenders are getting to the puck first and sending it down the ice. So they feel like unless it's the perfect shot, they don't want to take it because that's, you know, as good as a turnover right now, the way that they're playing. I think the mindset has to shift, not to shy away from it, but to dig even further into it and say, okay, we're going to get more pucks than that. We just have to have such a mindset that the puck's going net front, that we're ready for whatever rebounds come out, and we can like fight the defenders to make sure we keep it in and keep the chances rolling.
0: You know what? Let's talk about Perfetti for a minute. You know, I'm looking at we're 30 games in. He's now got 10 goals, which is the same as Nikolai Ehlers, 10 assists, he has not been on the top line at any point, but has been a big, big part of that second line in addition to the power play. You know, Sean, I remember our conversations heading into the year, and you know there was a few key players that you know the Jets needed a lot from. Um, they needed a big bounce back season from Neil Pionk, who has been delivering in that in that uh, in that uh, spot. But that second line, and would Cole Perfetti be the center? How much production they would get, but a big, big part of it. Um, and for a young man that had injury issues the first couple of uh, seasons, I think in a lot of ways the coaching staffs handled him perfectly. Give him that opportunity, but not uh, you know a role that creates so much pressure. Finding some matchups that work for him, and you know you talk about the way that he scored on the power play. He's done this before. Like of the ten goals, I would I would guess seven or eight of them are all within two feet from the net. Um, And he's got that sense. It seems like the puck gets to him. But just thoughts on the season that Cole's had through 30 games and how much of an impact he's had to the overall success of the team through this great start.
5: I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about how well the Jets coaches have managed him because it was, uh, you know, they came into the season, they wanted to try him at center, once they put him in there and uh, you know a lot of people will tell you like the the underlying numbers of that line were a lot better than their production and we should remember the beginning of the year when Nino Niederreiter was on that line and missed like how many open nets and hit posts and like it could have been a very different story with that line and i know a lot of people were saying just keep that line together and let's see where it takes out the reason the winnipeg jets coaches didn't is because if you remember for the first two or three four games of the year Perfetti was taking these big hits and some of them looked like dirty hits, but it became quite clear to the Jets coaching staff that the opposition was was targeting him. And the belief with the coaching staff became if he's gonna be in this spot, you're exposing him to the opposition to try and wear him down. Because, I mean, that's what you would do, right? If you're the opposition, you feel like you need to win this game. How are you going to win it? Well, we're going to lean on the second-line center who's new and isn't the biggest player and all these different kind of things. So they moved him off that and put Nemesnikov in there, um, but have been – you know, slowly bring him in. He takes a lot of faceoffs. It's a little bit of a hybrid role. But when I asked about that and the idea that that hybrid role would mean that they're like kind of under the radar, trying to slide him back into center without us ever really knowing it, or or like a definitive time that they did it, so there could be pressure and be like, okay, he's back at the second line center. Let's see how he does. Um, the coaches said that's not a, the case. The coaches like Nemesnikov there. They like the the game that he's playing, the role that he's playing. Um, I think Perfetti, we all know about his his uh, hockey IQ, which means he can play really well with a lot of different players. I think at this stage, he needs to play with good players to have that success. So you touched on the idea of Ehlers was on his line once that he left that that changed things, right? Ealers has the kind of speed that defenders have to respect. That opens up areas of the ice. He creates a wake. Cole Perfetti really good at skating into that wake and handling it. Uh, another time I can tell you the coaching staff thought that when Nemesnikov got injured and went out, that that line went entirely dormant, uh, and it's w- awoken with the return of Vladdy Nemesnikov. So, Cole Perfetti is going to be a driver at some point in this league, and I know a lot of people will say the underlying numbers show – that he's a driver and I'm not disagreeing with that. But to the degree that you are, it's similar to, I guess that Montreal line that came in, everyone's talking about that top line and your Slavkovsky on that line and how much more, you know, uh, uh, possession they're getting and the opportunities, and all those kind of things. But at some point as a coach, you have to, you have to weigh the idea of, are we going to wait for this potential to unfold or are, do we need to get some goals right now and be winning some games in the meantime? I think what we're seeing from the Jets right now is they're really liking what they're seeing from Cole Perfetti. and let's not throw any water on the 20 points, the 10 goals and 10 assists he has so far. He's doing a phenomenal job. But I do think the belief with that coaching staff is he still needs to be sheltered to a degree, and he needs to play with good players in order to get out of him what he's capable of doing.
0: Well, and, and um, and listen, he's been doing that for the most part this year. Um, and, and, you know, I always think about this, you know, and it's a football saying, but it's you know, applicable to hockey. The best ability is availability. And Perfetti's ability to stay in the lineup, stay healthy, especially the way this year started. And I think about one of those Vegas games where they were absolutely just running him. Welcome to the NHL yeah. kids sort of thing. Yeah. Um, he's shown me a lot that he is able to handle the rigors of an NHL schedule right now. And obviously lots of things can change and there's a whole bunch of randomness and bad luck that goes into injuries, but it does look like he's more comfortable out there, Sean. And I think that's showing in his play.
5: Yeah. And uh, a shout out to Jamal Mayers, who uh, did color on our last couple of broadcasts on Sportsnet. He was talking with Cole Perfetti, um, knows that he switched trainers in the offseason and gave a phone call to his trainer who had said, you know, give Cole Perfetti all the credit in the world. He was trying to address, you know, the things that were leading to injuries in his game the first uh, the first uh couple of cracks that he'd had in the NHL that ended in in injury and we all know in junior uh, he he had that uh that injury that he had to deal with as well um his his trainer had said that there was a lot of work put in this summer by Cole Perfetti with the focus on getting into the lineup, like you're saying, and staying in the lineup. And there's, you know, that it's funny because a lot of these players come in and they were on a focus right away. Well, I want to do this shot or I want to pick up this skill or do it because that's going to lead to more goals. Um, it's probably, if you're thinking of, and I think the majority of us would think off-season working out is boring, but the most boring of all off-season workouts are probably the maintenance Kind of workouts are the thing where you're just like saying, this isn't fun. I'm not going working on my hands and trying to add this tool to my arsenal. I'm just trying to build a foundation in my body so that I can last longer. Uh, Cole Perfetti put in the work. His trainer was extremely happy with the work he put in. I think the other part about this too is the belief that with young men like that, it's it takes not just an off-season to get there, it takes two or three to kind of build that kind of body that you're starting to feel is a little bit bulletproof and you can do all the things that you do so along where I mean this is what we're seeing. Not everyone comes into the league like Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard, where they're just kind of ready to go, pre-packaged. Perfetti is, like I said, a guy who's going to be a driver in this league. But it's probably a couple years of building his body up to understand the rigors of the game, and that takes time away from him focusing on all the other fun stuff that make you a better player. But the more time he's able to do that, you're going to see him add more and more tools to his arsenal. He's a player who has the work ethic to do it. He's going to improve year after year after year because he's going to make sure that he does the things in the offseason that make him better year after year.
0: Well, and, and you know, and looking ahead into the the new year. And probably more likely February, um, you know, providing touch wood that, you know, the other players stay healthy up front. Um, the way Perfetti's playing right now and the emergence of Gabriel Velarde now that he's healthy is going to give the coaching staff some pretty interesting options when it comes to getting another big gun on that line with Perfetti. I- I'm with right. you. And I thought you're you're I thought the way you described. Um, the ealers effect on Perfetti was perfect. I mean he does sort of leave awake and the the hockey sense and Cole's ability to get into those spots with open space yeah. set up opponents was great. I wouldn't be surprised if that actually returned but I also I mean if that line continues to play at a very high level and Kyle Connor comes back, um, it would be interesting to see Kyle Connor and Cole Perfetti get a little yes. bit of a run together as well. And that's not something I think we've ever seen before.
5: No, no. And, and and part of this is, as you're talking about, that would happen because Ehlers and Velarde are going so well with Mark Scheifele that you're starting to think, OK, what could we do? Because the premier goal scorer on this team is Kyle Connor. And so we've got this top line that is so hard to handle right now. And we've got the third line that is heavy and can lean on teams and usually takes up the other team's first line, which means this is a scenario by which with the second line, if that's Perfetti and, and uh, um, uh, Kyle Connor is actually getting third line minutes. Now you're starting to get into the kind of depth that won the Pittsburgh Penguins that cup of the year. They had the HBK line uh, you know, with Hagelin, Benino, and Phil Kessel, right? And that way, if those guys can go and play third line, imagine what Kyle Connor could do if he has the right guys getting him the puck, right? Um, part of this has to do, and this will be a sneak pre- pre- preview of maybe a story that we'll tell tomorrow on the Wednesday Night Hockey broadcast when the Detroit Red Wings play the Winnipeg Jets. But I had an interesting conversation with, um, with uh, uh, Nikolai Ehlers about what it's looking like. With Shifley right now, because this is crazy, Huss, and you're going to know exactly where I'm going with this. But for nine years, these two have been teammates, Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers, and we don't have a book on how these two players play together. That's insane two top six players who've been on a team together almost a decade. And we really don't know or understand how they would play well together. We know that obviously, because there used to be the near unbreakable line of, of uh, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And usually Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley would come as a pair. Um, But I, I talked with, you know, Nick Ehlers and I was like, Am I wrong to say that there's really like you guys are just kind of discovering each other for the first time? And he's like, You're a hundred percent correct. Like, this is I'm going out there with him right now. And what you're seeing from us is being like, Oh, if I go here, you can <laughs> find me in that spot. Great, I'm going to go to that spot more often. And oh, you come on the bench, and he's like, "Well, if you would have been there, I could have got you the puck there." And it's like, "Oh, okay, so I can go there." These guys combined for—I think it was—they uh, played uh, what was it? Eight, eight games together. We've got we've got the stats, and we were going to run it last game. We could run it the next game. But going into last game, I think they played on line uh, together for eight games, and Nikolai Ehlers had 11 points. Uh, Mark Shifley had 10 points. That doesn't count their line mates while that was happening. So those two combined for 21 points in eight games between the two of them. I think it works huss I'm going to go out on a line and I, uh, I'm going to say I think it works and Nikolai Eeler says to me like we're just at the stage where we're just starting to figure this out so where that could go I think is fascinating I know a lot of people would think it's sacrilege probably Kyle Connor would think it's sacrilege to not be on a line with Mark Schafle but I've always said this before when you like when you've got players who've got the ability to play with a lot of different players and I think in the past we've never really seen a guy Kyle Connor didn't work with he works when you put uh, Ehlers with him. He works with Shifley. He worked with Wheeler. He worked with Pierre-Luc Dubois. There's not a lot of places we haven't seen him work. If you can make him work on the second line, keep that first line doing what they're doing and have the third line be what they're capable of being, I don't know that there's a lot of teams out there. I mean, you're talking about a very select amount of teams, maybe maybe not even the Dallas's of the world, the Vegases of the world, maybe the LA's of the world, that have a chance of matching that depth Come playoff time,
0: yeah, and 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 you know, just to your point about Shifley and and Ehlers together, um, it it they seem to be more comfortable game by game by game. Like this is close to probably the longest stretch they've ever played together. I mean, at one point they had the Schwelers line, where it was Ehlers, Wheeler, and Shifley. Um, but again, that was very quickly. Put back with Kyle Connor. Connor did well. To your point, play well with uh, with Dubois at yes. times, and probably had some better metrics as far as what was going in on the other side. But again, with what we've seen from the commitment of a guy like Mark Scheifele starting off with him defensively, I think it gives the coaches far more confidence to uh, you know to put those guys out together. But the first game, if you recall, the first game those guys played together, you know, like the first. Couple periods, it was no Mona Lisa. Um, you know, there was a couple oh. offsides. There was a back pass to nobody, but slowly but surely, they've sort of gotten past that. And and we've always heard this about Ehlers, as incredibly talented as he is, he's for some players not the easiest guy to play with. I mean, the the reads are a little different because he's just so unique. But now that they're getting the familiarity down and starting to know what to expect. And you add in what Gabriel Velarde is bringing to that line, both from a defensive conscience and getting in and around the net and banging in some pucks. Um, you know, you can actually start thinking about other options for Kyle Connor. Yes. Obviously, those options are a little ways down the road, but it yeah. is fun to think about what a fully healthy Jet team would look like and what that would mean. Bringing it back to Cole Perfetti to have another player like that on his line on a regular basis.
5: Well, when you've got the hockey smarts and the ability to uh, to okay, so he can operate in a player's wake when players are fast or big. We saw that with with Dubois last year, how he played with Dubois. We saw it when he played with Kyle Connor. We know we have a book <clears throat> on how he plays with Kyle Connor and the ability to kind of move into a player's space. Um, we know that Nemestakov uh, has helped that line, and he's had he's produced well with Nemestakov. So even if it was just those three, I think that would be worth a look. Um, I think there's a lot of people who think that, you know, come the trade deadline, Kevin Chevladeoff could be <clears throat> somewhat active, maybe go out and get a second line center. So I mean, you're at this stage right now where you could kind of go and look around the league and say, okay who's available and of the people who are available, is there someone who would fit on a second line and allow us to have Kyle Connor play uh, alongside that player and a Cole Perfetti. I think it's fascinating. And just to get back to your point about, you know, people talking about Nick Ehlers being a hard player to play against. Of course he is. He's just a guy who's got this crazy speed that people typically, you know, aren't able to 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 match for the most part. You've got to catch up to that speed. He's got a little bit of a wild man to his game, no doubt, but I mean, I would just say this. How often have we seen you know, a, a coach in the past, put him on a line and stick with it through the warts and give him the opportunity to kind of figure out his line mates, right? Like, again, he doesn't believe it's happened, right? He doesn't believe he's been given a true first line opportunity on this team in his entire time here. And I get it. The Patrick liney was here and he had a hard time getting that. And I get that, you know, Mark Shifley and, uh, and Blake Wheeler loves playing with each other and didn 't not want to play with each other. I just think at some point with what they had the the idea that we do not have a good book from the nine or eight and a half years that they 've played together of what mark Schaley and and Nikolai would look like online that 's ludicrous to me it 's ludicrous that it 's gone on this long, and to see the results that they 're getting right now, I think makes it makes it even more ludicrous.
0: Yeah, well, bring it on. Um, we'll look forward to seeing them tomorrow against the uh, Detroit Red Wings. And uh, Hutch is going to be back in the building. Um, man, they're dropping like flies in the uh, in the net. Husso's now out as well. James Reimer and Michael Hutchinson, the goaltending tandem. So we'll find out a little bit more tomorrow morning as to uh, who we expect to be in the net. But it will be Loren Brossoit and then Connor Hellebuck for Friday night against the Boston Bruins. going to be a real fun way to get into the holiday season. Rennie all the best to you and yours over the course of these next couple of weeks. And we'll look forward to K tomorrow night and uh Friday night heading into Christmas.
5: Thank you, my man. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. You know how much it means for me to be able to spend time with you on this program. Uh, so once again, I thank you for carving out this space for me. It means a lot.
0: You're the best buddy. Have a great one. Say hi to uh, Kenny. And uh, as I say, we'll, uh, and everyone here, jump in the chat tomorrow and uh, hang out. Hopefully, uh, a more festive, festive K&R chat tomorrow after the game than it was yesterday after the uh, unfortunate overtime defeat to the Montreal Canadiens. All right, we are going to uh, chop it up with Greg Wasinski. Stay on. Interested to see what uh, Wish is seeing from the Winnipeg Jets uh, so far this season. Um, but listen, before we do that, let me give a big thanks to Princess Otto Hey, the holidays are here and we know how much princess auto guys love everything at princess auto um a great time of the year to check out great deals obviously into boxing day um but also an unbelievable spot for gifts for um you know that person that loves working on things tools and cool new equipment princess auto has the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto. Pop by just in time for the big guy to come on the weekend. Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. and You can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. If you do have last-minute Christmas shopping, I know most of you are big-time sports fans and have sports fans in your family. You can get it all done with one trip to Royal Sports. Plain and simple. The biggest and best sports superstore Anywhere is at 750 Pemina Highway. So much Winnipeg Jets merchandise there for you. It's hard to truly accurately describe. But all the jerseys, customized with your favorite players, tons of bomber gear, NFL, CFL, what do we have, international soccer? They've got it all the biggest hockey section in town. And don't forget some really great gift ideas on the Kings skate, snow and surf side, including that amazing Yeti department there. It's all at Royal sports. Get there in time for Christmas, 750 Pemina highway, and give them a follow on Instagram as well at Royal sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drop sale information and great last minute holiday gift ideas. No jets tonight, but a busy slate of national hockey league games And if you're not at the building, the next best place to be is your local Boston pizza for both Monday night football, Thursday night football, and, of course, every Winnipeg Jet game home and away. Scarf down those world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, wash it down with an ice-cold schooner, and don't forget to check all the new offerings on the BP appetizer menu. And, hey, if you're staying at home tonight, you can always get the great taste of BP by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's keep the uh, hockey talk going and welcome in and wish a happy holidays to ESPN's Greg Wyshynski. Wish, best of the season. What's up?
4: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and happy holidays to you and and everyone
0: watching the show. Hey, um, we're 30 games in. The Winnipeg Jets are 18-9-3 after dropping uh, a point last night to the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Um, what have you thought about the uh, first 30 for the Winnipeg Jets? And um, where does that rank on some of the better stories or surprises in your mind at this point in the season? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's a
4: better story and a surprise. You're right. I was going to say that there might be a difference between the two, but maybe not. Um, You know, I, 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 again, I think what you're seeing is the right guys having big seasons. Obviously the season Kyle Connor had um, has been remarkable, uh, you know, we knew when they made the Dubois trade that Kevin Chevaldeoff going for current NHL players versus trying to get futures was probably going to benefit the team in the short term, and it certainly has with the performances of Velardi, uh, and, and follow and player, and and uh, you know, their impact on the roster. Um, and then you know, obviously, the biggest surprise was for a lot of us, um. Getting Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele under contract for the season. I I think personally, I thought I didn't think Hellebuck was going anywhere. I I thought that his best contract option was going to be in Winnipeg, based on the situation with the cap and based on the number of teams that you know had the need for a a goalie of his uh, work rate (laughs) and price tag. Um, But Scheifele was a little bit more of a surprise for me. I thought there was a chance that that he might not necessarily go long-term there. And to have them both back and committed before the season, I think set things off on the right course, and it's only been good from there.
0: You know, Wish, the the Shifley season, I'm not sure, has attracted the attention outside of Winnipeg that maybe it deserves. Yeah. And if you think back to the last couple of years, I mean, it, it were not great seasons for Mark. I mean, the end of the season and both years were... Um, star-crossed, if you will. I mean, two years ago, there were the comments that, you know, didn't even seem like he might be there next year. And myself, and I think a lot of people thought that he was likely going to be elsewhere last off-season, if not at some point this year. And, you know, you combine the Thanksgiving bombshell of the dual extensions, identical, both of these guys sort of saying, okay, we're in going forward. But what Mark has done in a 200-foot game, now that there's nothing to worry about contract, everything's done and it's just about winning games, I mean, it really probably has been this singular thing that has powered the Winnipeg Jets. And I think a lot of the other players that have really fed off it. Like, it's kind of weird. They've got this record right now. The power play has been miserable at times. But the foundation of this Winnipeg Jets team is five on five play right up with the best teams in the league rolling four lines. And when your top offensive players are buying in, in a way that they haven't been before, um, it's really spread out to the rest of the lineup. And listen, I had a lot of criticism for Mark over the last couple of seasons, but I have to say his performance this year, I think has been the catalyst, the number one reason why the jets are where they are right now. And, Listen, thirty-three points in twenty-eight games. He's still producing at a really high elite level.
4: Yeah, and so I guess the question is, is how much credit do we give Rick, Rick Bonus for that? Because you know, when Bones came on, it was with two tasks in mind, re- really, which was one, uh, break up the old boys club core on that team. You know, let them know, let them know they're not running the place. Uh, and then two is to to get some of these guys to buy in more in a two hundred foot game and. And play a more complete game on the ice and you know it, it didn't necessarily translate to everybody obviously uh but in the case of of mark shifley i wonder how much rick Bonus's uh teaching instruction encouragement everything else uh has, has rubbed off on the guy because like you said in the last you know two years not in, not uh, uh, you know uncoincidentally uh shifley has has been a more complete player under the tutelage of that coach
0: yeah, there's no doubt about it. And listen, Scott Arneal deserves a lot of credit too because, of course, he yeah. was running the bench for a good portion of this first 30-game season while Rick was taking care of his, uh, his wife, Judy. Um, the uh, Were you surprised when Adam Lowry was named the captain uh, of the Jets? I mean, when you think about the players on this team that are at the top of that list, I don't think Adam Lowry is there. Um, he's a different sort of captain in a lot of other ways. And I think as much as we just talked about the coach, the way he's brought that team together and the way he and that line have played um, dominating at five on five for a good portion of this uh, period has been a big part of it. But was that an off the radar choice in your opinion, or uh, did you sort of think that Adam Lowry would be a guy maybe over a Shifley or certainly a Josh Morrissey who was right in the mix as well?
4: Yeah, I really kind of thought it'd be Morrissey to be honest with you. Shifley for whatever reason, I don't think he, necessarily needs to wear the C there you know you, you just do your thing don't, don't have to burden yourself with the rest of the leadership thing um, but I thought Morrissey was a sort of a natural choice to be a captain there um, is obviously going to be a player that's going to be around that roster for a long time so that was a bit of a surprise but again like the one thing I've learned through the years is that trying to predict from the outside or, or trying to rationalize from the outside what a a captain should be or or who a captain should be on a particular team, kind of a fool's errand, you know, because inherently the team knows internally who, who deserves it, who, who's the guy, you know, and, and more important than that, who maybe doesn't need to be burdened with the captaincy. You know, I was, it's funny. I was, I did a story recently that required me to talk with uh, Chris Clark. If you remember him from the, uh, The Washington Capitals, he's now an executive um, with the Blue Jackets. And I I remembered uh, when he was with the Capitals, he got the captaincy before Ovechkin did. Ovechkin was a young kid. And I remember the scuttlebutt about like, oh, wait, why why is this rando (laughs) winger who's good for maybe like 20 goals at best getting the captaincy over the best player on the team and the reason why the building is full? And it was because they didn't think Ovechkin was ready right, yet. And Ovechkin himself didn't think he was ready yet. You know, he didn't have a full command of the English language quite yet. And, and uh, you know, despite being best player on the team and, and undoubtedly their their pace setter, uh, it was uh, Chris Clark's captaincy for a couple of years before it was Ovechkin's. So from that point on, I just thought to myself, OK, all bets are off. <laughs> like, I'm not going to even pretend to know <laughs> the internal politics of, of teams and why certain guys get the see and certain guys don't.
0: Hey, uh, I know we're a long way till the end of the season and in getting into season awards, but uh, it was not lost upon Jet fans <laughs> on Saturday night that the goals in that huge matchup against Colorado were scored by Nino Niederreiter, acquired at the deadline and extended, Vladimir Metznikov, acquired at the deadline and extended, two goals from Gabriel Velardi and one from Alex Iofalo, who came over in the big trade with the LA Kings for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, do you think Kevin Chevaldeff will get some consideration if the team stays in a top three position, makes the playoffs, and you know does something? Will he get consideration for the job that he's done amongst the top GMs for the past year?
4: Sure. Why not? I mean, you know, when you look around the league, it's going to obviously be somebody who qualifies for the playoffs. The voting, I think, for GM of the year actually happens during the playoffs. So it's an award where... Your finish at the end of the season is valued, and then what you do in the postseason is valued as well. Um, look, I mean, if you if you win a trade, and in the short term, you could say that the Jets won the Dubois trade. I don't know about long term yet, but I was never really the biggest Dubois fan, to be honest with you. So that him getting lashed to that contract wasn't something I was too crazy about for the Kings. But nonetheless, um, you know, he's done things that I think have really benefited the team from a transaction standpoint, and more than anything else, he sold the notion of you know getting the two most important players arguably on the roster to commit to the team long term which I think is the biggest piece of business that any GM can do so you look around the league and the teams that are you know thriving and thriving because of the machinations of their general manager this season um, you know it's 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 Chevy maybe it's Steve Eiserman with the Brinkit trade and if if Patrick Kane can work out um, and uh, and you know a few others may be in the conversation, but but certainly Chevy should be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, well, certainly a long run to go, but I mean the early returns on that trade have been phenomenal. I mean Gabriel Velarde has only played twelve games. Um, I believe he equaled Dubois' goal total of the entire season last that's, night with this. But goal. that's
4: the trick. That's the trick with Velarde, though. Is like if it's if 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 every season you have him he's at the 12 game mark now <laughs> like that's that's always been the issue with him and that's always been the drawback on him is is sort of like what is the health going to look like because otherwise he's a, a fantastic player he's always had the talent it's just his stability was always the question but you now i follow was a good soldier a, a, and and somebody that i think just got squeezed out of that kings lineup because of the all the acquisitions they had made on the wing whether it was Iverson or Fiala um but again you just come back to it i mean to 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 know that you had to make that deal, the Dubois trade, to know that that wasn't an asset you were going to have anymore, basically, and to decide to get the haul he got. That's the, the real key here for Chevy. It's like he didn't, he didn't trade Dubois with an eye towards 2027. He traded Dubois with an eye towards we still think we have a window to do something here with Hellebuck, with Scheifele, with Connor, the guys that are on this roster. And so I'm going to bring in people that are going to be able to help me now more than anything else. Like he didn't wait around to get to pull Brent Clark from the Kings. You know what I mean? So it's like the the decision to do that and then to pull the players that he got and have them thrive the way they have is really, it really makes the trade look fantastic right now. But again, it's, it's still early.
0: Did you see any of that game last Wednesday between the jets and the, the Kings? Jets, I were down, that I did. Jets were down 2 0. And uh, you know, and and that's usually a death knell playing against LA. And we saw that in Winnipeg in the third game of the season when Velarde got hurt. I mean, the Kings just squeezed the Jets in that 1 3 1 for the second and third period. And um that was the 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 game. It was the Gabe Velarde revenge game. He had a goal and three right. assists. Ehlers had two goals. Shifley, I, I believe that line had 11 points and was plus 15 in the comeback win. But what was so striking was a couple shifts and one in particular where Dubois honestly looked like he was at a family skate at the outdoor rink just down the street from (laughs) us here in the peg. I mean, and I know you've been kind of on the fence about Dubois in the past. Um, This is a great team. They've only lost six games so far in regulation for the season in 27. They're challenging with Vegas and Vancouver at the top, but they're not getting a lot from Dubois. Um, is this just his general lack of consistency showing again that he can be a great player at times, but you just never know what you're going to get? I don't know. Maybe he
4: said he's not in Montreal. Who knows? Like, <laughs> maybe <laughs> he there made a mistake. Trade maybe he made a mistake signing there. Um, no, I mean, first of all, it, it is a huge change for the guy. I mean, the guy's, he's, he's got, the guy's career has been spent in in Columbus and Winnipeg and all of a sudden find yourself in Los Angeles is a bit of a culture shock, I'm sure. So there's still an adjustment to be made there. There's probably also adjustment between the way he's been playing and the way that Todd McClellan wants his guys to play. Um, I I think he'll be fine, but I do, again, the thing I keep coming back to is the idea that like Rob Blake, the GM saw this guy and said, this is going to be the guy who succeeds on Kopitar. Like that's, that's the play. That's why you sign him. You sign him to have him one day ascend to what, to Kopitar's position on the top line and be that guy, be your stud number one center. And I, I don't, I still don't know if Dubois is that guy, but they sir, they certainly paid him like he's going to be that guy and put the faith in him that he's going to be that guy. I Made the trade to say he's going to be that guy. So um, we shall see. But the king, the Kings are, they're a really good team. Like I, I've been really impressed with them the last couple of seasons. I think hopefully, you know, for their sake, they don't have to run into Connor and Leon in the first round again because it seems like they can't get past those guys no matter what, what, uh, what team they have. But from top to bottom, if they can get replacement-level goaltending, I think they're going to be okay. And they're certainly trying to do the Vegas thing out there with with uh, Talbot, who's played really well, and, and now Copley's hurt, so they're going to have Riddick for a while. Like they're, they're clearly trying to do the, we think we're so good that we can Aiden Hill our way to a cup kind of thing in, in L.A. this year.
0: Big save. Dave's back in the bigs uh, <laughs> yeah. coming up. We remembered Dave from uh, from last year. Yeah. Let me quickly ask you about the East and closer where you're at right now. I know you've always been a Devils guy. They've had a really sort of up and down season so far. Um, are they on the right track now, Greg? And uh, do you expect them to be... In the postseason, or uh, I mean, because this is a deep, deep East right now. I mean, it's not going to be easy. And you look right now, they got a number of teams to jump over and a ton of competition. You know, if we're just even talking about this first and second wild card.
4: Yeah, the, I they will be if, if their goaltending stabilizes a bit. The, the problem with the Devils from the start of the season has been. The goaltending hasn't played to its standards from last season, which aren't really weren't really all that good to begin with. <laughs> but uh, they weren't losing games for the Devils, uh, like they were at, for most of the first quarter of the season. And then the other problem has been injuries. You know, they were without Nico Heischer for a pretty good amount of time to start the season. Then they were out Heischer and Jack Hughes for about five games, which they can't recover from. Um, and then they lost Dougie Hamilton, which is, again, still one of the more like, underreported injuries in this league right now. The guy Torres Peck, he's by far their most important defenseman, and he could be on the shelf until the playoffs, potentially, with that injury. So they've had to deal with some adversity, but they're a really deep team, um, and when they're on, they still have shown that they can they can beat anybody in the league. They just need to have competent goaltending. I'm, I'm interested in seeing them. I'm going to see them twice. This week coming up, one against the Oilers and one against the Red Wings. I'm taking my kid to those games, Christmas, and uh, uh, I'll 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 see I'll I'll get a good scouting report on them, um, provided I don't drink too much beer. <laughs> hey,
0: are, are the uh, are the Flyers for real? How are they doing it? I mean, I I certainly didn't think that we'd be getting into Christmas and see them in second place in the Met. Yeah, well, I mean. This is what torts does. You know, he, he get he makes teams
4: tough to play against. He makes them competitive. He takes, uh, rosters that on their surface are less than stellar or, or at times even mediocre and makes them competitive. And, and so he's gotten better performances out of players that, that didn't perform well last year. Um, and they're, they're winning low event played to the margins kind of games and, uh, and beating teams that you wouldn't expect them to beat. Now, I was encouraged the other day when I saw Danny Briere, or is it Daniel? I forget where we settled on that, if he's now GM Daniel or GM Danny. He's one of the two. GM Breer said the other day that he's not going to allow the Flyers' early success to uh, mess with his plan for what is essentially a rebuild. And I think that's a great thing. You know, this has been great. It's been fun. I think a lot of Philly fans would be really happy to see the Flyers back in the playoffs. Um, but ultimately, like the problem with this team right now is that you don't know what its next phase looks like. Um, they need more good, young, talented players in the system. They need a top level guy that they can bring onto this team and, and sort of refocus around. And the only way you do that is through the draft. And right now, being second in the Metro doesn't help ultimately that plan, I don't think.
0: Wish uh, before we go, I got to ask you. I mean, we had a bunch of coaching changes, and just about everyone's had a nice bump after making the uh, making the move. Of course, last week it was Barubi, and then that bizarre scenario with Jordan Cairo. Uh, but yesterday it was the Ottawa Senators. And speaking of bizarre, I mean, did DJ Smith do the morning skate, meet the media, and then get fired? What do we know about the situation in Ottawa? And what do you make of Jacques Martin, Alfie being the guys that are taking over on an interim basis?
4: Well, I do. Th- I do find it wonderful that we do have a coach in the NHL that could refer to Rick Bonus as kid, uh, because <laughs> yes. Jack Martin is seventy-one years old. Uh, yeah, the Steve Theos, their interim GM, was asked about that morning skate thing, and and he didn't really have a good answer for it. He kind of just fumbled around and said, you know, these things can take time and yada yada yada. But it is kind of embarrassing, I think, for the team to have him do the morning escape, meet with the press, and then get canned after that. I think it's not a very good look for them. But again, you know, that's why he's an interim GM. It's not like he's done this before. Um, I, You know, I, I know why they've made the move, uh, and there wasn't really the kind of compelling case to keep DJ Smith around like there was, say, for Jay Woodcroft or for um, uh, uh, Berube in some cases. Like, the underlying numbers are so good that we just need some things to change underneath the hood and they should be fine. Um, the, the senators were a mess. They like, they they were 10th in offense, but like 28th in defense, their goaltending wasn't good. It is the third time I think this year that we've seen a coach get fired because his goaltending wasn't playing up the snuff. Um, so the, the change had to be made because they weren't playing well, but the change also had to be made because senators have a ton of runway in front of them. Like they, they've like, six or seven games in hand on some of the teams in that division. And so if you were going to make a change, it had to happen now. And you hope that Jacques Martin can um, fix some of the things structurally and especially defensively that are happening in front of the goaltenders. You're hoping that Forsberg and Corpus Allo can be better. And, um, and then you're wondering if the Daniel Alfredson of it all can change the vibe. I find it very interesting that basically the, the, the thing they decided to do is bring in an old guy who can maybe give him structure and then bring in the most popular player in franchise history to like change the vibes and, and, and make people happy and provide some leadership, I guess, behind the scenes. So we'll see if it works. I I tend to believe it won't, um, and that this season is going to be a real a real disappointment for the Senators. So I thought had the potential to be that team that breaks out in that pack of of teams in the Atlantic with Buffalo and Detroit, and it just didn't come together.
0: Yeah, we're going to see Detroit tomorrow. That's been the one team, although they are kind of in a bit of a, a slump Oof. right now, 1-5-1 and one over the last seven since Kane joined the club, uh, but certainly a better start than Buffalo yeah. and Ottawa. It, hey, just on the way out, speaking of yeah. coaches getting fired, in ESPN last week, there was a hot seat rankings of coaches, and DJ Smith was in a galaxy all his own but the next group of hot seats had Rick Bonus on the top of that list what gives with bones look
4: man it's not it's not guaranteed this team makes the playoffs and if this team doesn't make the playoffs all i was saying is that there could be a conversation about what the next phase looks like i'm not saying that Chevy's got well, he is on a, a 2 sharp- year deal i mean yeah. that, that is right right so it's not it's not like i'm saying Chevy's sharpening his knives mm-hmm. right but like it is a veteran roster they they clearly have pieces in place where they expect to contend. They're not going into some sort of retooling or rebuilding phase anytime soon. So all I was saying is that the, the next group behind DJ, and DJ was with Barube before Berube got fired like a day before I published that piece, um, are decisions that'll be, be made in the summertime. That's all it really was. And so like he's there with a few other guys whose contracts are up or who, whose teams are struggling. and And it was more about like, there's probably going to be a conversation to be had if these teams don't make the playoffs. And I, and I, I stand by that. I think if, if the jets don't make the playoffs, if if things go awry after such a promising start, and it's not because of the usual reasons, IE Ealers gets hurt, <laughs> which again, like you think about where this team is and in particular where, where Vancouver is, I think the, the common denominator is Ealers played 30 games and Brock Besser hasn't been hurt yet either. Um, then then maybe there's a conversation to be had about about what they want out of the coaching position and and what bones wants to do after this season
0: wish always great having you on the program um have a wonderful holiday season and christmas and just on the way out i had to ask how did you manage to get told off by mjf on twitter which <laughs> is now your which is now your pinned tweet
4: <laughs> i forget exactly what i said about him but then he told me go to hell and and for the longest time my pinned tweet was a, a tweet that Miro Shetan sent me during the John Tavares free agency period where I, I tweeted something where I was praying to Satan to have Tavares go to the Leafs because it would be the most hilarious outcome. And Miro Shetan tweeted at me and said, you know, something along the lines of, I'll do what I can. And it was one of the funniest <laughs> things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> but I, I mean, once, once MJF, once the phenom himself, once the AEW champion uh, tweet something snarky at me. I mean, how do you not make that your pin tweet? How do you not make that your badge of honor on social media?
0: Well, exactly. And how about Kenny Meg and Chris Jericho as the Golden Jets? A uh, shout oh, out to man. a
4: shout out to the Sh- peg. Short lived though, man. Kenny went. Uh, it, it had surgery. He's gonna be out for a bit. So I don't know if I don't know if if, if uh, Jericho can carry on the pride of Winnipeg gimmick, but. Yeah, for a brief moment it was wonderful. Kenny by the way, w- w- I think th-
0: he
4: he was so out of it last week he did refer to their team as the Winnipeg Jets at one point. No I, joke. I saw that. Yeah, uh so too too bad. It was a wonderful moment to see those two uh, uh you know native sons and 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 you know iconic figures in in Winnipeg history uh, uh I team think Kenny's together. kenny has
0: got like diverticulitis or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think There's, that's what um... I saw.
4: Yeah. That's a tough that's a tough one. That sucks. He's by far, one of my favorite favorite parts of AEW, and and uh, always puts on a really good show. And and uh, just a bummer, bummer, bummer. He couldn't couldn't hang in there with uh, Jericho to do some business.
0: Well, the fellows are coming back with for another AEW show on April 10th. So our fingers crossed that Candy can get back in the ring, and we'll have uh, the Golden Jets in Winnipeg on that day. Wish have a great Christmas, man. Thanks so much, and uh, keep up the great work with the ESPN team covering the NHL. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, everybody. Appreciate it. There it is. The man himself, Greg Wyshynski. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Wyshynski, which also, big wrestling guy, uh, as we mentioned, the MJF tweet. And uh, hey, don't forget, tickets are on sale now for AEW at Canada Life Centre, April 10th. If you have wrestling fans in the family, jump on tickets right now. A perfect stocking stuffer. And uh, yes, our fingers will be crossed that in addition to Chris Jericho, Winnipeg's other prodigal son from the squared circle will be there as well. Get well soon, Kenny Omega. Uh, And there you see it right now. All the the Winnipeg guys right at the top billing. Omega, Jericho, with with the pride of Kelvin High School, Don Callis. Right there in the middle. I'm looking forward to it, and stay tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk for more chances to win tickets, as well as a promo we're going to be doing into the new year on uh, how you might be able to get some ringside seats with the WST crew for the big day. Um, Hey, speaking of uh, well, Canada Life Center, we were there last night. I know there's probably people that you know, especially for this big Friday game we to be having a few beers don't forget generic lager and 1919 available now at canada life center and great deals on generic lager heading into the holidays right now eight pack tall cans only 1999 at your local beer store you can also pick up singles for 2.99 and speaking of singles head on down to little brown jug right now at the tap room on william avenue if you do a mix and match twelve can purchase, picture uh, buy a dozen of your favorite Little Brown Jug beers, they'll hook you up with a fifteen dollar gift card for the tap room to enjoy some of your Little Brown Jug favorites right out of the keg. Right now, Little Brown Jug, you can get the great merchandise there as well, and of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. And hey, if you're getting ready for big holiday dinners, why not step up the dessert game? Give Nick and Nikki a call and let them do a holiday DQ ice cream cake for the holiday festivities. Of course, they've got the DQ on Northgate, DQ Polo Park. But if you want to hit them up and get something customized for you and your family, go on to Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You can send them a picture. They'll get it done exactly as you want for a quick and easy pickup at Nick and Nikki DQ either location. And of course, don't forget, they've also got the new Pita Pit out in Niverville as well with great catering options. Pop down and see them if you are in Niverville and you can also get catering citywide by hitting them up at Pita Pit Niverville on Twitter and X. Um, I'm looking forward to our Sport Manitoba segment next week. That's going to be coming up on the Thursday of this week. Um, but don't forget safe sport line. If you Need confidential help if you're experiencing or witnessing any misconduct or maltreatment in sport, including bullying, harassment, hazing, or abuse? Call the Safe Sport Line for confidential health at 1 833 656. Safe. More information on that available at the Sport Manitoba website. Um, all right, lots of hockey talk today, um, but let's get Remus back in here. We do got to get to the cool bet lines. Riu, did you see the end of Monday Night Football last night?
1: You know, I was so uh, following the Jets game, and I did a post-game uh, show with uh, Connor. That's on our channel if you want to see more of that. I saw that Drew Locke uh, led the team to a win and cut an epic promo uh, after, uh, you know, saying how, uh, I don't know, talking about the win and, you know, what he's gone through. So it was a shocker. You know, don't ask me what I think about these games. i like, yeah, I mean, they're starting Drew Locke. Eagles are going to win. Yeah, minus three, that's nothing. And uh, I think that's a couple weeks in a row. I think last week I whiffed on both of the Monday Nighters. So uh, don't. hopefully no one is actually uh, wagering real dollars on that.
0: Well, we had a Drew Locke delivered a lock shot miracle yesterday. We had a three. Uh, we had, uh, we, there was no Eagles props up because the uncertain situation with Jalen Hurts when we did the lock shop yesterday. So we all took an Eagles, we all took a, a Seattle prop. Um, Dusty took the kicker to get six or more points. Patty took DK Metcalf to get 68 yards or something like that. And I took Jackson Smith Najigba to have over three and a half catches. Well, neither of those guys were even close with a minute left. And then Drew Locke got the ball with to go 92 yards in the last minute. DK had two huge catches. And then the winning touchdown caught by JSN was the one that put us over the top, plus 525 uh, partner parlay caches. It was truly a miracle. And I had a fantasy miracle as well. I think I told you yesterday I was in those two playoff games. And I had Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown in one and was going against them in the other. I got the perfect amount of points to win my one match by one and a half points, but not enough to get caught in the others. And actually ended up winning them both at the most important time of the year in the fantasy playoffs. So as disappointed as I was after the Jet game with not getting the two points... Um, there was some crazy stuff going on and it all went my way. So it wasn't a total loss
1: on Monday, thanks to Drew Locke in the lock shop. Yeah. And speaking of fantasy, Hus, uh, so I did finish first in the uh, Winnipeg Media League and I got the buy. And listen, like I put up the highest score, I think, of any team this year. Uh, all my team. Had the buy on the buy on the buy. I noticed so, that. Did you notice that? Because now my team is oh, for, yeah. sure, for sure losing. I'm incredibly nervous. I was feeling good. Uh, I think you won in that league, didn't you? Win also. Well, yeah, that was the game.
0: I oh, was yeah. going against Hertz. Like if Hertz had Hertz and Brown had another five points, I would have lost. But I took out John Hodge. So now in the media league, what does the uh, what's the matchup next week? Are you, you're, I think you're playing Jeff, aren't you? That sounds good. And, you know, we've got a $50 side bet on who would go further in the playoffs, oh. too. Um, and then who were you playing? I'm playing uh,
1: Josh from uh, the Free Press. Yes. At and, your neck. Yeah, and he's got uh, Jamar Chase, who just got hurt. Uh, he also had Geno Smith, who didn't play. So I'm curious if I'll be able to, uh, to win uh, this one, so... I'm um, looking forward to, man, uh, the NFL just taking over Christmas as by, by family activities. You got game Sunday and three games on Monday. So on a day off, you know, you're going to be uh, looking at your fantasy league all day and watching games. Uh, Dude, I don't mind Christmas it. night, Christmas night, 7.15 p.m. Niners
0: and Ravens, the top team in the NFC versus the top team in the mm-hmm. AFC right now. Um, lines are up for this week over at Cool Bet. Niners are five and a half point favorites over the Ravens. We won't go through all the lines. You can check those out. But a bunch of futures are up right now. Um, latest odds to win the whole dang thing is the San Francisco 49ers, the clear favorite right now at plus 215. The Ravens are next at plus 575. The Chiefs are plus 750. Dolphins and Cowboys 9 to 1. Eagles are now down to 10 to 1 after that loss last night. And the Bills are 11 to 1. Being said, the Eagles are still a big favorite to win the NFC East because they have two games against the Giants and one game against the Cardinals. Dallas has got to travel to Miami this week. So the Eagles are minus 270. Dolphins still minus 222 to win the AFC East. And the Buccaneers now on account of their big win in Green Bay are the favorite to win the NFC South at minus 159. Saints plus 175, and the Falcons plus 750 after they lost to Carolina. Saints are in L.A. to take on the Rams. Both teams at 7-7 seven seven in the Thursday nighter. And the MVP award, this is something I've been paying close attention to. Brock Purdy, the clear favorite right now at minus 200. Lamar 5-1, Dak 6-1. to one, but there's Brock Purdy's teammate Christian McCaffrey at nine to one, and I still do have a feeling. And maybe I'm trying to manifest this because I have a seventy to, to one ticket from preseason. But I'll tell you what, that game on on uh, Christmas night between the Niners and the Ravens, you've got three of the four top picks for the MVP. I have a feeling with all the eyeballs on that game, Lamar McCaffrey or Purdy. Could make a huge step forward in grabbing the award if they go off in front of everyone on Christmas night in that battle of the top two teams in the league.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. And for me, we just mentioned that fantasy league. Uh, you know, I needed a QB at the end of the draft. I took Brock, Brock Purdy, and uh, he's been the star of my team. So I have him and McCaffrey. It's been great uh, propelling me to the uh, top of the Winnipeg media fantasy football league. So that that should be a great game and. You know, maybe Lamar Jackson's not a bad bet uh, if they win that game. But those are two great teams. Could be a Super Bowl preview, I think.
0: Go McCaffrey, go! And uh, I'm just looking at this matchup against Hamilton. I've got oh, Mahomes. I've got Mahomes and uh, Baker. Baker's against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mahomes is against the uh, Raiders, which is nice. But Josh Allen is playing the Chargers. And then Jared Goff against the uh, Minnesota. And this is a league where we start two quarterbacks. So that is going to be, uh, there's going to be tough. Good luck to Jeff. We'll uh, do a little trash talk when he joins us at some point this week. Although I hope he's feeling better because he is under the weather. Um, Okay. Let's get to these cool bet lines. Busy night in the
1: NHL tonight. Well, here one sec. We didn't even talk about Nathan Rourke. We're talking NFL. Come on. I got, I thought we talked about that already. Yes. Exactly. We didn't even even mention it. In chat. Let me get my hat on. Pat's guy. Yeah, been Nathan Rourke fan. Come on, I watched all his games with BC. It was so much fun taking him in fantasy. They claimed him, and he's got to be on the roster for final three games. Hopefully he gets in. I don't know what more we can add, but I see someone, maybe the smartest coach in the NFL, has uh, Bill Belichick giving him a chance. Well, you know what's so weird about this is that, you know, you're exactly right. He'll be on the roster for the last
0: three games because he was picked up off waivers. Mac Jones stinks. Bailey Zappi hasn't done much. So, I mean, I think there would be an opportunity at some point to see what he can do. Probably wouldn't be this week, I think. they probably give him a little bit of time to get familiar with everything. But the weird thing about this is, Remy, could go in and prove that he's a really good, you know, a good prospect for them moving forward. Maybe they could extend him. The only issue is that, by all accounts, Bill Belichick's probably not going to be there next year, which means a whole new coaching staff.
1: Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. Certainly interesting, and kind of crazy it took this long for him to get claimed. Um, You know, after so many quarterbacks have gotten hurt this year, it's been a wild season, and we've talked about the games have been not that watchable because, again, so many backups, and you saw what this guy did in the preseason, and in the CFL, you thought someone would give him a chance, but a lot of it is politics and who you know, and hard to be comfortable with a guy maybe you don't have that uh, relationship with, so... Uh, I, was, I think a lot of uh, CFL fans are very pumped to see Nathan Work get claimed by New England. And are you going to be cheering for the Patriots now? As if Nathan Work gets in, can you bring yourself mm. to go to the dark side? Or though, because they're terrible now, it's okay. Oh,
0: actually, you know what? I would love for them to win out to get a much worse draft pick. I do have a worry that they're going to get like um, that dude from UNC or potentially Caleb Williams or something like that. And then... You know, they move on from Brady. They have a couple down years and then get a generational quarterback. So right now, considering they're out, I'm all in on Rourke, light it up, win some games, and ruin the Patriots draft pick. I would love that. And then, of course, <laughs> we'll see if he can play next year because I think everyone, I mean, he's such an easy guy to cheer for. Um And his brother, Curtis, actually entered the transfer portal. He's going to play his senior season. He's moved from Ohio to I uh, believe Indiana, the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, so, um, anyways, an interesting thing to uh, to people asking about the why not question of the day. Runaway win for Leaf fans being more annoying than Habs fans, even considering we had that uh, had all the Montreal supporters in the building last night. All right, rest of these games tonight. Wilder in Boston to take on the Bruins. We'll see the Bruins here in the peg on Friday. Boston a two twelve minus two twelve favorite. Uh, the Sabres, minus 187 favorites at home against Columbus. Vegas, you don't get plus money on Vegas very often. Vegas is plus 115 in Carolina. Canes, minus 136. The Devils and Flyers are playing. Devils, I, I like the Devils tonight coming back off a brutal game where they got lit up by the Ducks at home. I think they bounce back. They're minus 154 we got the Lightning, minus 179 over the Blues. Uh, Oh, nice game tonight. Rangers-Leafs. Rangers a slight road favorite, minus 116. Leafs minus 101. The Oilers are on Long Island to take on the Islanders. Edmonton a minus 145 road favorite. Islanders plus 123. Uh, Canucks and Predators. UC Soros in. Casey DeSmith for the Canucks. Predators now. This was a pick earlier. Predators now favored at minus 121. Uh, the Colorado-Chicago game is off the board for some reason. Um, and then do we get the coach bump? Do, the new coach bump happen tonight, Remo. Ottawa with Jacques Martin taking on the Coyotes at the mullet. And then, of course, the Sharks at home against the Kings. Sharks a plus 210. I'm interested to see that Coyotes-Senators uh, game. And obviously for everyone else in the Central Division, go Sens go.
1: Yeah, will the sands get the coach bump? Looking forward to seeing that. And the Coyotes, man, they've actually been, like, kind of decent. And they are at home at Mullet Arena where they play really well. And I'm just pulling up uh, the wild card. And I believe the Coyotes, yeah, they're in the second spot behind Nashville with uh, St. Louis and Calgary, who's played two more games than everyone and rumored to be big sellers. Uh, they got everyone on the trade bait board. So Coyotes kind con- Low key, interesting. Connor Ingram has played really well for them, so watch for the Coyotes. But um... isn't
0: it nice not to have all your team's players on the trade bait board? Oh. How things can change. How things can change. It, I mean, it's obviously good for the show to talk about that stuff, but nice just be worrying about wins and losses right now as the Winnipeg Jets keep rolling. Um, we do have a bunch of exclusives. Uh, if you want to check out the uh, exclusive section under the lock shop, um, we're going with Vegas tonight over Carolina. Devils over Philly, Ottawa over uh, Arizona. Money line, they can win in regulation, overtime shootout. We've got a nice boost up to plus 635. The guys in the chat, the nasty chat, have been firing off winners. So they have put together a... let's. What, what do the guys have today for us? These are from listeners. Tage Thompson, a goal. Steven Stamkos, four plus shots. And Zach Benson, two plus shots. Plus eight twenty five, jump in on that, Uh, and then a basketball, and then oh, Patty, Patty threw one in. Benson and Nikushkin both to record a point, and Neelander to record at least one assist. That is plus four hundred. So we always get a nice boost in those exclusives. Check those out as well. If you haven't played at Bet before, use the promo code WST for a one hundred percent bonus up to two hundred bucks, and join us tomorrow. Dusty's last show before he goes to the Spengler, and then on Thursday this week, Jake and Patty will jump in with me on the Lock Shop at noon over on Edmonton Sports Talk, and we'll do a full rundown for the Christmas weekend in the NFL.
1: Right back at it tomorrow, Rima, with uh, the Wings in town, Patty Kane and Hutch. Yeah, looking forward to that, Detroit. We're also, uh, you know, we're coming up on Christmas, Boxing Day, uh, World Juniors just around the corner. And we'll be chatting with Scott Wheeler uh for a yes. preview of the tournament, which you're gonna wanna listen to. So on oh, and uh Marat will join us to talk a little jets and maybe we can shed some light on the power play. I those great questions uh to Rick Bonus yesterday after the game and who Kevin Kowalik said in chat, Well, if they know the power play's been so bad, why don't they change it up? And then I was like, Hey, listen to what he said today and then we played it is. we played the clip. So it's changes like, are coming. Yeah, I'm Maybe I don't know if Morrissey is going to what is he going to be a full cage tomorrow? Is he going to wear a bubble? I'm very curious with the power play. If there are changes, can they put them in that quickly? Uh, what's it going to look like? Will certainly give us something to discuss and speculate on before the game tomorrow. You got it, folks. Join
0: us at 1 p.m. tomorrow. We'll uh, get you ready for the Jets and Red Wings. In the second last game before the Christmas break. We'll talk World Juniors. Marat's got a great piece, by the way, at The Athletic right now that we'll talk about comparing this year's Winnipeg Jets team to the 1718 18 Winnipeg Jets. So we'll get to that. More on tomorrow's game. We'll hear from Rick Bonus and more going into tomorrow night's game where Laurent Brassois will be the Jets' starting goaltender and then Connor Helleback running it back against the Boston Bruins on Friday. Thanks to Rennie. Handsome Tommy Gazzola, Greg Wasinski, all of you for hanging out with us live on YouTube. Shout out to the podcast listeners. Have a great night tonight. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 to get ready for Jets wings right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh!
5: Shut it down. Let's go home! Thanks
4: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.